0: Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christogania Internet Radio. Tonight is Friday, March 18th, 2022. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and thank you for listening. Today, and, and part of yesterday, I spent the day preparing to have Dr. Michael Hill here from the League of the South. And for that occasion, the the people that are in the Christagenia chat, the Christagenia video server right now, see me in my Feds out of Dixie shirt. But that's okay. I wear it even when I don't have Michael Hill here, right? But my wife was teasing me and she got me to wear it tonight. Well, well, Dr. Hill had to cancel at the last minute, which was like 1 p.m., And there was no way that I had time to prepare a program. So I asked the participants in the Christagenia chat, the text chat, if they would like to have an open forum tonight. And here we are. If I couldn't have an open forum, I'm afraid I couldn't have a program because I don't like to do things half-assed. I like to be prepared for them. This is a rare moment when... I prepare for a program and can't execute it. I I don't know if it's ever happened before, but Dr. Hill had some problems, some important problems that came up today that he had to attend to, and he will be here with us next Friday with all certainty, so it'll probably be pre-recorded on Tuesday or Wednesday or something like that but that's fine and I'm happy to have him on and we need to have him on we I, I mean I could talk about the League of the South but I would rather talk about it on a program with Dr. Hill if it comes up in the conversation this evening then well it comes up I'm not going to prevent it the brunt of the conversation was going to be about current events and the Ukraine and even though I have not spoken to Michael Hill since December, I have read some of his posts at the, the com website, and he feels the same way that I feel that no matter how this this event in the Russian-Ukraine war plays out, that this is going to open a new page in the book of the history of the American Empire and that it is, with all certainty, in a stage of decline. And, and even though it's been in a stage of decline since it peaked, probably in, in the 1980s, if I had to take a stab at that off the top of my head, it has been in a stage of decline since then. But now, the decline is becoming visible, and Americans are starting to feel it, and it's only going to be downhill from here. Now, how fast it goes downhill from here is another story, but that's just the way it is. This is a moment in history that true patriots and Christians should all be anticipating that we've been waiting for, and we should be... Happy to see, because God is true, and every politician is a liar, to paraphrase Paul of Tarsus. So, with that, and we don't have to speak about that, and and it doesn't really matter to me what we speak about. We have our friends here with us, and that's what matters. And, gentlemen, hello, whoever wants to lead the conversation, you know when I do these open forums... It's basically up to y'all what we talk about. So thank you for being here again. Hello, Bill. Hello, Joe. How you doing? Hello there. Walt, praise Yahweh. There's about a dozen people here or so. This open forum was put together on very short notice and I'm happy that that many people showed up, but I hope the dozen or so people that are here participate. And and I, of course, hope that more join us
1: throughout the course of the evening. So what do we want to talk about this evening? Well, the first thing you said about America being in decline, you know, as a guy who lives in Australia, we're a very small country, you know, we're only 20 million people or so, and, you know, how many of those people are white? And so we've always looked to America as an Australian as the centre of the Western world, and so to see America in decline, that, that spell that says a lot of things to us too in the, in Australia or in in the Western world, even um, the Christian world, you know, people who believe in freedom of speech and the values that America has always enshrined, you know, America is one of the is the greatest country in history it's a very great nation. That to see that in decline, you know, all the Western world must be in decline then.
0: Well well the entire Western world is in decline and, and Europe especially and, and we see this in Australia with the the um, the I, I, I don't know how to phrase it, the bending over backwards. That the total prostrate position The the prostration of white Australians towards both the Chinese who are buying up Australia and the aboriginals who who are completely backward savages that don't deserve anything but crumbs from Western society. And now they're being elevated above all other Australians. We are facing this in every European nation and even here in America.
1: That's certainly true. Um, Aboriginals in Australia, they've made a point to put their culture at the centre of Australian life, and their silly religion is often um, promoted in sports games and so on. And we're told that they're noble savages, but they're far, far from being noble because early explorers recorded that Aboriginals were eating their own children They were fondling their own children. They were, um, mutilating themselves. But now today we're told that they were quite noble and that they were in touch with the earth and in touch with nature. But my question is, how can, how can a devil be in touch with the, um, nature which God created? You know, these, these other races can't be in touch with nature because they're not in touch with God. They're they're not in.
0: They're not in touch with nature because they've never harnessed nature. And white men have harnessed nature. As the Bible says, we make gardens in the desert. We overcome nature. We have dominion over the creatures of the earth as the Adamic man was supposed to have dominion. And the aboriginals or the Blacks in Africa or or any of the other races have never done that without white technology and, and infusions of white equipment, supplies, and money. They've never overcome their own environments. The African has never been the master of his own environment. He's never harvested all of the precious gold and, and, and precious metals and minerals with, which Africa is absolutely rich with, and he's never really produced agriculture to feed his own people, which is very easy to do in Africa. Only upon the arrival of the white colonizers have the Africans ever experienced any sort of civilization rule of law otherwise they're just savages that like your aboriginals eat each other's children rape their own children and and kill each other wantonly while living off whatever they can hunt and gather whatever they can scavenge and and they never created a civilization so now we are taking and and this is a matter of prophecy that they will be the head and we will be the tail and we're taking all of these other races and elevating them to a point or or to a status in society that none of them have ever deserved so joe
2: when did this whole aboriginal elevation thing start like did it like happen in parallel to like the American civil rights movement, or is this something that's been going on in the last like 10, 15 years?
1: Uh, It would have happened after America because Australia tends to follow America. We, like I said, we always look to America and America may not be aware of us, but we're very aware of America. So it would have been sometime after America. And I, Like when I was at school, we were never told that Aboriginals were farmers. We were never told Aboriginal history or anything. We were told European and British history. But I know that in schools today, um, they are taught that Aboriginals were great farmers. They founded civilization and all this other other nonsense. And um, that would have been quite recently. I I would guess like 2000, mid-2000s, 2005, something like that.
2: Okay, because I feel like I've never even like heard of Aboriginals outside just like knowing they exist. But the last like five to ten years, or, like you know Instagram and YouTube, I'm, you're starting to see it spring up on like sponsored ads on YouTube or Instagram, like Aboriginal peoples, you know. And I, otherwise, I wow, know, like period up until like a few years ago.
1: The the difference is between Aboriginals and American Negroes is that I think American Negroes are more mixed, whereas Aboriginals can be quite placid and quite dumb. So you don't you don't actually feel threatened if you're surrounded by abos unless something sets them off because they can switch, like what the um. The French said about Haiti is that the Haitians were quite placid and dumb and easy to get along with, but they could switch really quickly and become extremely violent. That's, that's the nature of Aboriginals, basically. I
2: feel like Aboriginals look like the cavemen that (laughs) evolutionists think, act like the white men came from, if that makes sense. Like they look like legit nigger cavemen. So yeah. yeah,
1: the demon the devils really. But Bill's right that only the white man has ever been able to subjugate nature to his own will. Aboriginals are subject to nature and that has to go back to our origins with God. Bill's right about that. That's a great point. You know, that we should have dominion over the earth, whereas they can't have dominion over the earth. And and now it seems like um Jews are trying to demonize what we did. So they're trying to demonize, like, having electricity, you know, having a society that, um, subjugates nature to its own use, you know, free the cows. You know, it's like cows are part of human society. They don't exist outside of human society, but they've brainwashed all these vegans to believe that we can set all the cows and all the domestic animals free to what? They don't exist out in nature. It's crazy what these Jews are doing.
2: Yeah. Look what that does for India.
1: Is it, yeah. wasn't
0: there Joe I remember seeing a poster and somebody in the chat had asked about it about a week ago I don't remember who and I went looking for it in my files and I simply can't find it but I know that I have it it was a political poster from Australia heralding a white Australia movement wasn't that the 70s
1: Uh, well, the white Australia movement, the poster I think you're thinking of was actually from the 1920s. Like, um, a group of white men got together and said, we don't want to be in a, a nation with these abos. We want our own sovereign nation. And a, why, you know, the white Australia policy only ended in the seventies.
0: It ended in so, the seventies. Okay. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought the poster was from the seventies, but actually I, 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 I d- just d- found. I wouldn't know about that one. Actually, I just found that Wikipedia has a page on the white Australia policy. I just looked it up while you were talking for the hell of it. And the governments progressively dismantled such policies between 1949 and 1973. So we see that it persisted until 1973. That's about 18 to 20 years after the start of the civil rights movements here. So yeah, um, Australia is right behind us, right? I mean, it,
1: it, you're right. Yeah, it's we, not we, far. we follow America. Yeah. We, yeah. we follow America. And the thing is, I, I remember a brother posting in the chat recently, um, one of our prime ministers saying that he wanted to keep the white Australia policy. And I guess they got rid of him. And then, um, you know, and then the Jews got rid of the white Australia policy after they got rid of him because Aboriginals weren't Australian citizens until after the seventies. They were. Australia was declared terra nullius, meaning that no one owned it until the British arrived. So we did not recognize the Aboriginals at all. We did not think that they were the first Australians. We did not think that they were, you know, that they had any claim to this country whatsoever. They were considered part of the flora and fauna and they were not citizens. They weren't citizens until the after the 1970s. So right now we've
0: got all this. They're just beasts. They are part of it. And our law,
1: yeah, that's what our laws acknowledge. And after the 70s, now they're citizens and we're told not only are they citizens, but they were the first Australians, which is, how how were they, what did they do? Nothing. Sorry, Bill, yeah. Well, of course,
0: that did happen a lot earlier in the United States, where after the war of northern aggression the 14th amendment to the constitution i'm not going to say it was ratified i I, I don't know if it was ratified I, i i really don't care it's an unlawful amendment the 14th amendment of the constitution moved to make everybody who exists within our borders a citizen If they're born here, they're a citizen, period. And and that's an evil amendment because it is absolutely contrary to the purpose and the words in the preamble of our Constitution. So, of course, the courts only care about what they're told to care about. And we know who's really directing the ship of state and... It, it's all for nefarious purposes, but at the same time, it's all for our punishment because we won't repent of our sin and we keep accepting those sins. So as long as we keep sinning, we're going to keep getting screwed. That that's the bottom line. And and there are white people have totally abandoned Christianity at the lead of the international Jews that control the banks, the media, and and everything they see and, and hear on, on their televisions, their radios, their internet, in print. It, it doesn't matter. As long as white people accept those sins, we're going to continue to be punished. But that that's the way I see it is that we relinquished our own status as white people and the establishers of civilization here in America when we accepted the 14th Amendment. And that was in the 1870s. That's a 100 years before Australia. I guess Australia just didn't have the pressing problems with abos that we had with Negroes who were recently... Freed from the shackles of slavery on plantations across the South.
1: It's probably a lot harder to get an ABBO to join some sort of civil rights movement, Bill. <laughs> they're, they're a little bit dumber and the Jews would have had a lot, you know, a bigger issue with them than they probably had with um, Martin Luther Kuhn and those, that lot. Yeah, well, well right, because true. Jewish
0: Jewish plantation owners didn't spend 200 years having sex with Abos to create American Negroes.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and Jews are niggers themselves. So we, we understand why the Jews have sided with the niggers and, you know, and why they think like a nigger and why they're subversive in the way they are just like the niggers and why they're using their brethren against us. It's us against the world. You know, these white nationalists think it's, We can make some sort of alliance with the others against the Jews. It's not like that. It's us against the world. We live in an evil world where we have a connection to our God and the rest don't. They're not, they're not with us. They can never be our allies. It's us against the world, brothers, dear brethren.
0: More like it's the world against us because we've been rather placid and pacifistic that these last hundred or so years.
1: We've got to draw the lines the right way. You know, it's no good having some sort of, um, theory where God created these, these people. You know, it, that's a blasphemy in my eyes to think that God would create these creatures that are destroying us. Why would he do that? If he loves us, why would he put all these enemies, plant us in a world of evil? He would not do that. And so these people, these one seed liners, and others, the Judeo Christians who believe we all have this shared origin. And you'll even find politicians talking about how all people are created in the image of God. So we should all love each other in this society. But Malachi said, he asked, do we all have one father? We don't. We don't all have the same origin. We can't have, you know, a future with these people. We can't ally with them. And that's the lie. That's the lie at the basis of this society. That see C- only our school of CI rectifies because we say no, we don't all have an origin with God, while the rest of the world is caught up in this, you know, egalitarian religion of well, all well, people. Well, it's pretty plain
0: that that the spirit of Scripture tells us that we should not add to the Word of God. That we're forbidden basically to add to the Word of God. And if it's not explicit in Genesis that Yahweh God had created other races of Negroes or Chinamen or whatever you want to in, imagine these beasts to be, then we can't imagine he created them because we're not told that he created them. And, and Adam is a white man and all the nations of Genesis chapter 10 are identifiable in archaeology and history and they're all white men. While it's clear in Genesis chapters 14 and 15 that there are other races that didn't descend from Noah. So we're not told that God created them. So how do we imagine God created them? And Jesus Christ, Yahshua Christ, came to reveal things kept secret from the beginning of the world. He tells us where these other people come from in Revelation chapter 12 we can't add to the word of God and imagine that he created chinks or niggers or spics or squat monsters or anything like that because they're not Adam they didn't come from those Genesis 10 nations and we can't explain it where they came from then we can't imagine or simply take it for granted that God created them because he didn't take credit for creating them so we're adding to the word of God when we imagine that God created these other races
1: I cannot imagine why he would. I cannot imagine why he would set it up so that, you know, his own creation is corrupted and has all these evil beasts walking around. But it it is revealed by Christ in the parables of Christ. As you said, Bill, when he says, you know, the tares that were sown by the devil. And that's one of the only parables that Christ actually explains later to his disciples. They ask him to explain it without pretense. So there's no confusion. You can't say it's metaphorical as if Christ is going to use a metaphor to explain his parable. He, that would not be an explanation at all. So well, we I, think I, I, I think really. I explained
0: that a long time ago, but that's correct. Yes. It wouldn't be an explanation if he used metaphors and allegories to explain a parable. It wouldn't be an explanation. So we have to take it for, for his word that the Devil planted people here.
1: You know, and every plant my heavenly father did not plant shall be rooted up. What does that mean? Oh, they just, you
0: know. To understand what (laughs) those plants are, we have to go back through the Old Testament scripture to see what Yahweh planted. It's that simple. It really is easy. But the clowns that cushion for truth will never get it. Because it's too easy, and it's too direct and too plain, and they don't want to hear that message.
1: Oh, well, we either school.
0: we either believe the word of God because, yeah. and take the word as the authority and and figure out how that applies in our world today and and in history. Or we take what we think about the world and history and mold the Bible to fit our thoughts. That's the the contrast in our methods and the methods of all the Judeo-Christians and all of those who oppose us.
3: Well, you know, there's something interesting about all of this. If you take into consideration how the racial truth is probably the most touchy topic nowadays, it's maybe because, you know, there's a lot of truth in it. I mean, for example, a merely, you know, fact that says, oh, all races must be separate. No, Not everyone is the same. It sends people into a fit of rage,
0: if you think about it.
4: Well, Uh, well, that's a good point, too. Yes, it
0: is. That's a very good point. If there wasn't something to the message of of the separation of races, then people wouldn't get so upset about it. Why do they get so upset about it?
1: It's the truth that divides the world, the truth that the world cannot receive. Right. You know, like, Walt, Walt is right. Like, all these politicians who are otherwise don't care about Christ or believing in Christ, they will say, oh, we believe every man is made in the image of God. But they don't mean Yahweh God. You know, I don't think they mean Yahweh God when they say that because I have heard politicians say that, you know, we're all created in the image of God. We're all – and it's not even true. They've never read the Bible. They don't know what it says. And um, Well, well, that's a good point too, Joe.
0: That, that's a good point too because they will say that and they don't care a damn thing about anything else God said. So that's a good point too.
1: Yeah, that's my point too is like these Judeo's and all the rest I I think one seed line is basically just a an offshoot of Judeo Christianity, but they um they don't believe Jesus. Like I believe him, I don't want to argue with him. I don't want to tell Jesus, "Look, Jesus, this is what you meant. You didn't mean they weren't created by you, you know. You didn't mean they were from, you know, Satan." You meant that you know you did create him, but they're they're mean or something. You know, it's I believe him. I don't want to argue with Jesus.
3: And this is the interesting thing again, because what I mean is, for for example, you can have uh, at least a few years ago, you, or maybe today, in some non-mainstream, you can have say, for example, no sodomites, no this, not that, because you know you could say that sodomites is being a choice. So, you know, the person can quit that. But, you know, the racial truth, you you cannot quit being, you know, a tear if you are one. Or you cannot quit being a wheat if you are one. And this is a touchy topic because, you know, it, it talks about fundamental, quote-unquote, rights that people think that they have. And it's all by men. You know, uh the rights given by men not given by my you know, God.
1: Yeah, we should get our rights from God afforded to us by God in the same way as the husband and wife sort of relationship a a wife receives her rights and privileges from her husband well God is the husband of the nation we receive our rights and privileges from him and as the, the husband he can nullify any rights we think we have you know we might think we have the right to turn away from him and die but he has the right to nullify any of our choices as the husband of our nation And I mean, we're bringing up we're bringing up this thing, this this idea in society that all races have a common origin. Well, in in the chat recently, recently we've been discussing evolutionary theory, and that in itself is a religion because that posits that all people have a shared origin, and it's a religion because it's just as illogical as flat Earthism. It's perhaps even more illogical because flat Earthism takes some time to explain. It, 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 you need logic, you need reason to see the faults but with evolutionary theory it's very simple, you can just say that um, the complexity of life cannot be the product of this evolution, for example the complexity we see at the most basic level in the cell the complexity and patterns we see in DNA you know, so scientists accept that DNA has very complex patterns in it and those patterns cannot be the product of randomness or something that's um, unintelligent. So, so we have this. So we have all these scientists in society debasing themselves and making themselves fools for this evolutionary theory. And at the heart of that evolutionary evolutionary theory, posits that all men have a common origin. Kind into many kinds, rather than in our Bible, it's written kind after kind. So that's that's another way we can see that um, in our society today, we have this religion that tells us that all men have a common origin, this evolutionary theory, and it's just not true. It doesn't make sense. It's illogical. It can never be true.
2: And
4: just about
5: doesn't even make sense within the confines of their own their own logic. Like, I, I know why, why you say, why you would cite the Bible about that. I get that. And that you're completely correct. But even with the confines of their own secular logic, it, it doesn't make sense. Because if, if they're going to argue that, that the biodiversity of everything in the world is the result of evolution, then on what grounds do they claim that there's only one species of human? Right. I, you can you can just open open one of Darwin's journals and points to all of the different finches that have all the different adaptive beaks. They were all classified as different species. You could never, yeah, that's incredible. You could never, it? it would be absurd to make the claim that there's only one species of humanity, right? Just even suppose that it, that a white man and a nigger are the same.
0: Even but like jaguars not, and pandas.
5: <clears throat> Why are jaguars and panthers different species? I just wanted to say, I'm sorry, I just wanted to say before it gets carried away again, I just wanted to say, and that's support of the claim that it is a religion. Because things that they can use to justify themselves from the Bible, they will take. They will take things out of context from the Bible. They will take things out of context from white nationalist documents like the American Constitution. And they'll take things out of context from science, too. It's not a scientific position. It's a chimera position. It's cobbled together from many different things. And and it's not just one philosophy, because it can't be, because it simply doesn't make sense. They merely use what they can to make it make sense when when they find something that agrees with them, and everything else is discarded.
4: Right. I was going to say the, the the Judeo's have to fix though. Dasho, they just say you know they all came from Adam. That's the origin, and then they all just evolved. One became brown. Yeah, of I'm course, but was uh, yeah. basically <laughs> illustrating that the way that
0: they divide species or distinguish species is absolutely hypocritical when it comes to man, and I pointed out Darwin's finches maybe 10, 12 years ago in podcasts, where these minor little differences make a different species of bird, and they're classified in books as different species, but even like leopards and tigers, why are they different species if... Eskimos and and Norwegians are the same species. It's absolutely ridiculous.
1: They say it's because um, we can interbreed and create a mongrel, but there are many different species that can interbreed. Like you can have a liger, which is a cross between a tiger and a lion, yes. right? But they're they're classified as different species, so they're hypocritical in that way too. There are many different species and, you know, of fish it, that it it cross boils
3: Down to feelings. It all boils down to feelings. For example, someone says, oh, with animals, well, animals don't have rights or whatever, so it doesn't hurt their feelings to be classified as a different species. But to be declassified differently, that um, is, I don't know, arbitrarily hatred.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, these scientists debase themselves, you know, for feelings. You know, they're not logical or objective. They debase themselves to pander to the Jews and their evolutionary theory. And Why do the Jews have evolutionary theory? Because they don't have a loving God who cares about them. This evolution God, it doesn't care about you. It doesn't care what happens tomorrow. You can't be a nationalist and believe in evolution because we want to preserve our race because we have a connection back to God. Why would you want to preserve your race if you believe in evolutionary theory where race is transient and we're all evolving? So you can't, all these white nationalists who claim, who promote evolutionary theory, how can they really be nationalists? You know, evolutionary theory is contrary nationalism it tells us that race is transient that we're all all one and we all have the same origin and we all have the same destiny i don't believe that i don't believe we have the same origin i don't believe we have the same destiny they're not going to be in the kingdom so all these phony white nationalists going around promote thinking they're smart by debasing themselves for the kayak it's a big joke I'm not going
5: well, to do, myself. To I'd like to those, damn
1: lagers, those damn loggers, those damn
5: loggers are sterile, just like a horse and a, a donkey crossbreeding mule.
6: They're sterile too. Just want to interject that for redneck fact.
0: Well, some of them are yeah, well, sterile, some, some, and some, some of them aren't. Some of them aren't. Yeah, some and, of them aren't. Yeah what's to distinguish two different types of finches that simply have a slightly different shaped nose or beak, I'm sorry and, and they interbreed all the time
1: and then they tell us like oh here's two different species of wolves but you're the same species as a nigga and it's like get you know, get lost get right, lost, two different
0: species know. of wolves or, or the fact sure. that Siberian huskies and wolves are a different species and and that those different species of wolves in a breed all the time
3: the interesting thing just to interject here is that you know they accept that like i said about you know the wolves the monkeys or whatever but when it comes to people it becomes an issue to them because it's like i said you know oh you're basing your point of view based on a god and not basing you know on the point of view of people rights or feelings it all comes back to that they keep saying that Oh, uh, rights are given by governments, you know, to know who has the right to do this or that. So they keep basing themselves into the world, into the rights of men.
1: You know, and what Zev said about, you know, all men come from Adam, we simply evolved. I, I remember Sven Longshanks having an argument with um, some orthodox, you know, nationalists, and they were claiming that Noah's sons were all different races, you know, like they're brothers, but they're different races somehow, and they they evolved super quick into different races or something. You know, our Bible tells us once again that kind after kind. So, if you if you have a if you're a true descendant of Adam, you will be exactly like Adam because the seed is preserved. We don't believe you know we don't believe in the the only way the seed can change is for it to be corrupted and mongrelized as the Bible tells us. It can be bastardized, but it can't evolve into another species. That's nowhere <laughs> in the Bible. So I don't know what these Judeos are on or what these orthodox, you know, Tards are on.
4: Well, no, Joe. You just don't have Abraham's gnosis, children, all right.
5: The works of Abraham, you would do.
4: Joe, you need gnosis. So you can understand that the rain that was falling down was really a magical spell that turned his three sons into different races.
1: <laughs>
4: yeah, right, that sounds a crazy, no, no. but Just the bottom the line is this. See these different words
0: that, the up. bottom line is this that there are identifiable nations of Shemites, identifiable nations of Hamites, identifiable nations of Japites, and they're all white. The, the ancient Egyptians, the ancient Hittites, even though they were Canaanites, they were all apparently white. The Canaanite Hittites are classified by linguists as Indo-Europeans. The Persians are Shemites, and nobody doubts that they were Aryan and white. The Ionian Greeks are Jepethites. Nobody doubts that they were Aryan and white. If the Hittites, the Ionian Greeks, and and the Elamites, or the Medes, who were, according to Herodotus, the first people called Arians, and they were Jepethites. If if all three of those groups are white, then all of Noah's descendants were white. The the ridiculous tales told by the medieval Catholic Church attempted to include everybody in the world as the colonial period began and they found there were people of other races that they couldn't explain otherwise, they started concocting these childish schemes which are absolutely contrary to history and scripture.
5: They are also contrary to Hitler too, as you were about to say. Right,
0: right. (laughs)
3: one interesting thing I think personally speaking you know the ancient world uh I was talking to this to another member it, the temperatures and you know the climate in general is very different from what we have today so you know if you, if you if you come to imagine the countries for example in middle in near east oh they're hot today or for example Saudi Arabia is inhospitable it's too hot well back so many years ago probably it wasn't. And you know uh uh racists also shift. you know, I personally like to think that you know what we have Iran today, back like you know, a thousand years ago, uh, a thousand three thousand years ago, probably
0: looked like you know Germany today. The entire world looked like, well, I don't know about Germany today, maybe Germany a hundred years ago. That there's a lot of dirt in Germany today. But no, the the entire world looked like Europe did 200 years ago. The world of the Levant and Mesopotamia and Anatolia 2,000 years ago looked like Europe did 100 years ago. They, they Whenever man wants to interpret the world around him outside of the word of God, he's going to be a hypocrite. It's absolutely unavoidable. If you don't have the Word of God as your guide and and your teacher, you're always going to be a hypocrite. If you try to assess the creation of God on your own subjective feelings, you're always going to be a hypocrite, which is why aboriginals and, and Swedes are the same species, but Darwin's finches have about 25 different species. That's why. Because they're hypocrites, because they don't care about the Word of God.
1: Yeah, if you don't care about the Word of God, you're going to try and find a place in Scripture to place these niggers, and you'll think, oh, maybe they're part of the beast creation, or... Yeah, but- It doesn't make sense because in the end, you've got these bad fish. Everything God created was good. He didn't make the bad fish. They've appeared through the corruption and the sin of the fallen angels. And some of those angels were probably men, white men who sinned against their own race and created these mongrels.
0: Right. Without a doubt, (laughs) the parables of Christ refute the universalists and the egalitarians.
1: Yeah, we're not the universalist here. You know, we're not the universalist. We may we believe that God's going to redeem his creation because that's his will. You know, we don't believe he created all. We're not universalists. We don't believe he created everything and he's going to save, you know, has a place for all these other for the devils. God's not going to have a place in his kingdom for things he didn't create. He doesn't want them there. They're an offense to him.
0: Well, some of these I accept for some of his arguments against that um, these Christians for truth turkeys that are really just warmed over Judeo Christians. I, I mean Nathan Tom, that's his name, NATO. He is a straight clown, and his arguments are so easy to dismantle, to see through, and and he's like a child that just makes things up and wings it because they go against his sub- that they go along with his subjective feelings he's just explaining his subjective feelings he's not explaining the Bible he's not explaining
1: Chris- Christianity he's just the fool. Right. Well a great example of that was when he um, found a verse he was trying to work out who the 666 man is in revelation. And so he's looking through all the Bible. Who could the 666 man be? And suddenly he finds a verse that says Solomon received 666 talents of gold one year. And so he then he says he's proved it. He's proved that Solomon is the 666 man. That's not That
4: doesn't make any sense. That's not logical. That's not oh, how no. you come to truth. That is logical, all right? If you just think a lazy person just goes, uh, search 666. 66. Ah, oh, this is the only other time it says it. Ah, oh, it must mean something. Yeah, you might as well, may well just go gonna... uh, on with
1: chapter 6, verse 66 of some random version. <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah, John 6, 66. It's so random, and you try and tell them.
7: There, there you, you know go, Joe. I pointed it out real. the
0: other day. I pointed it out the other day in the forum. John chapter 6, verse 66 is where it says that from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. So, so the people who deny the Christ, who don't believe the Christ, they're the Antichrist. John six sixty six. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> that, you that's know just a-
3: interesting. I've seen some Judeos before saying that the number of the beast is not six sixty six; it's six one six.
0: There's well that. well hmm. that actually is I, I don't remember the exact difference I, I would have to look it up right in the um, Nestle alan text it 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 is right next to me I don't remember the precise difference but it is in some of the ancient manuscripts including the codex synaticus and it doesn't say 666 it says it might be 616. I'm going to go look right now.
1: Yeah, but it the does. point is that NATO just wings it. Like, he wings half of his um his Bible um, teachings half the time. His doctrine is just winged all through Scripture, and he doesn't see a problem with that. That's the main thing. Like, I couldn't do that the way he does it.
0: Well, nobody could do it the way... Nobody honest could do it the way he does it. Uh, okay, the... the um, cellle in verse eighteen, I just feel mm. like a
1: dumbass,
4: well, Joe, if it doesn't just say outright that uh every other race is evil, it didn't say quote that literally, then it's not real because you have to actually read and uh comprehend the whole entire story to get to the conclusion, so it's just in your head it's not real what. That's what they say, you know. Oh, you have to actually yeah. think to get to that conclusion. I can't just read and all Edom is going to hell. Yeah, I like, yeah,
1: they, 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 um, nullify the plain words of scripture with their stories. Like they'll write a story that goes for like an hour, like you'll be reading for ten pages and it's just a whole story to explain away one verse where Isaiah says like all Israel saved. They'll write 10 pages to explain, oh, Isaiah didn't really mean all Israel is saved. He meant that, and they'll go into all these random scriptures and then their conclusion. This is how they say it. They'll say the only possible conclusion is, and it's, and, and it's inverted. So they've nullified, you know, they'll say the only possible conclusion is all Israel isn't saved. And they've spent 10 pages to get to this only possible conclusion. And it's like, That's not the only possible conclusion, though. You've linked a hundred random verses and half of them, half the time what CFT will do, Christians for Truth, NATO and Ezra, what they will do is they'll cut a verse in half. They responded to you, Zeth, when you posted on their thing, on their blog the other day with half a verse. They said, Oh, sorry, Zeth, we've got half a verse here that disproves you. And then you read the whole verse and it's like,
4: it's and not it saying what me. they
1: want it to say.
4: And it proves me right. Yeah, it does because I didn't, I didn't the... even catch that. I'm, I'm glad you caught it because I was just so focused on their ignoring the blood of Abel unto Zacharias. And we know that only Edomites have been listed as people responsible for Zacharias and other prophets throughout yeah, the were
1: They were arguing that Edom is white basically. And
4: he's denying the connection to Edomites. Or or from Edomites to Cain and Canaanites to Cain, so it's just like you're just lying. You're just lying to me. Yeah,
1: because he he was trying to say, oh, Acts proves that only Israelites killed all the prophets, and and um, it, I think it was Acts two twenty somewhere around there, and so he quoted half the verse where it says, I think Paul saying to them, you know, Israel, men of Israel, you killed Jesus Christ, and um that's that's the part they quote but then if you read the whole verse it says through unlawful hands who are those yeah. unlawful hands? you know so they cut that bit off the end and that's what they well, did they to me so many, many times way. that they, yeah they cut verses in half and that's their methods and like I could unlawful hands
0: are I hands without the law unlawful hands are hands without the law it's not sinful We're hands don't have the law in in the in, in the ancient Hebrew paradigm, you're either without the law or you're sinful. If you have the law and you're governed by the law and you violate the law, you're sinful. It would say sinful hands. That's my opinion at a glance. And and unlawful hands are hands without law. If the people of Israel killed Christ through unlawful hands, those unlawful hands are elements or people if you want to call them people that didn't have the law. And that would be the Edomites. That's why I see that. And now, I want to get back to the number, plant. right? I, I'm sorry, I just want to get back briefly to the number of the beast. First, the problem with Nato's assessment, right, is that in Revelation chapter 13, it says, the number of the beast is the number of a man. It doesn't say it's the number of the gold which some man received. Right? And the beast in Revelation chapter 13 is existent in the future from when the Revelation was written. Solomon existed in the past. That's second. And third, Walt, it it wasn't the Codex Sinaiticus that had 616. The Codex Sinaiticus has 666. The Codex Alexandrinus has 666. The majority text has 666. And P47, which is a third century papyrus, has 666. But the Codex... Ephraemi Syri rescriptus, which I usually just call the Codex Ephraemi Syri, it it's, it usually follows the Codex Alexandrinus and only seldomly departs from it. Well, in this case, it departs from it and it has six hundred and sixteen. But it's the only codex with six hundred and sixteen rather than six hundred and sixty-six. It it's the only ancient codex. Is the Codex Ephraimus Siri Rescriptus, although some manuscripts of Irenaeus have 616. Irenaeus being one of the early church fathers, right? So all the other codexes have
3: 666. I see. Yeah, because I saw a few days, a few days, a few months ago, uh, some videos, you know, where the Judeos reclaim, you know those truther movements where they say, oh, don't drink the water because, I don't know, the government put, uh, uh, sodium in it and it'll kill everyone in three weeks. And it was saying that something like, you know, 616 instead of 666. You know, I... Well, one manuscript
0: be- has that out, out of a plethora of manuscripts and, and... Yeah, you know, okay, there aren't a lot of manuscripts that date before the 6th century in the case of the Revelation, but there are sufficient manuscripts. And even the, the Syriac versions and early translations have 666, that there are a ton and a half of Byzantine Greek manuscripts that have 666. It's only one codex that the Ephraim Siri, which has 616 and some manuscripts of Irenaeus who, who was probably quoting a manuscript based on the Ephraim Siri. So, so no, you can't say that it should be 616. It, it's one scribe that made an error, in in my opinion, and, and that doesn't disprove all the other manuscripts. It just doesn't. It's ridiculous to think that way. To accept 616 is to look for the anomaly so that you could be different, so you're basically embracing an error so that you could have a contrary opinion. And that's... I, I have a lot of contrary opinions, but they're not based on errors. I could give the... Substance for my, for my contrary opinion from the manuscripts. So one manuscripts having an, an alternate reading and that manuscript isn't even as old as the third century papyri number 47, which has 666 or the Codex Sinaiticus, which has 666. So no, that's not valid. That's not a valid viewpoint to follow the Ephraimie Siri and imagine that it should say 616, that's not valid.
3: Right, yeah, so it's like, you know, taking um, uh, an exception and
0: making the exception the wrong. Right, but it's not even, you know, you might have a leg to stand on, if the earliest manuscript had 616 and all the other manuscripts with 666 were known to be later. But this is not the case. It's the other way around. So it really, that that opinion has no basis for validity, in my opinion. I didn't want to pull us off track with that. I just wanted to clarify something because I, I, I had guessed at it earlier and, and I actually looked
1: at the book right
3: no that's interesting no, but, but these things are good actually yeah
1: and it's it's a common thing where people pick their own their favorite translation or parts of it <laughs> to, to make a point right. and then it's like okay can we go back to you, here's a Bible dictionary
0: well, well right yeah. it's Often like they people don't know pick their favorite that. can you pick your favorite ancient manuscript because I could come up with a lot of ancient manuscripts from my studies that had absolute anomalies in them. There's a manuscript, and in the Nestle A-land notes, it's only known as K. And I don't even know the name of the manuscript, right? I'm going to try to look, because I have some manuscripts here that I've actually like written the, the formal names of them. Next to the designations in the NA-27. And the NA-27 has an appendix of of these manuscripts and what they contain, which is pretty invaluable in, in my opinion. It's excellent. Well, K, I don't have the name written next to it. I do for a lot of them. But that's because K is from like the 17th and 18th centuries, right? It, it, I'm sorry, it, it's listed 17 and 18. It's from the 9th century. It's, K is two different manuscripts, K017 and K018, which are from the 9th century. So in the translation of the Christian New Testament, I didn't pay any attention to it at all. But back when I was early studying Christian identity, I read a lot of apocryphal stuff. A ton of it much more than I've ever spoken about. And one of those apocryphal stories that I read was called the Acts of Paul and Thecla. And Thecla was a female, and the whole basis of the Acts of Paul and Thecla was to convince people that they should remain virgins and never have children, which is all bullshit. Paul of Tarsus never taught that. Not when you actually read the Greek of his admonitions to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. That's not what Paul of Tarsus was saying, that men should stay virgins and never have children, was not what he was saying. But the acts of Paul and Thecla, it was obvious to me when I read that, that this was to uphold The concept that all men should remain virgins, and that you're failing God if you have sex and have children. And there are actually, when I translated the book of Acts, there are actually interpolations in K, in that one manuscript, which support. The bullshit in the Acts of Paul and Tecla. So whatever scribe wrote K probably wrote the Acts of Paul and Tecla. That, that's my bet. I can't prove it. And it's not something that I've ever written about because it's 9th century. And I only care about the truth of scripture. I don't give a shit about the bullshit that came along later. So that that's... <laughs> but that's something I noticed as soon as I translated Acts because I had already read that apocryphal book, that this manuscript has these interpolations in it that support the validity of this book, which is a fairy tale. Yeah,
3: that's starting to sound like Paul's Table Talks.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's what it is. That's what the Acts of Paul and Secular is. Paul's Table Talks, right, exactly.
1: A lot of translations are like table talks now. It's like, oh, you want to disprove that race is in the Bible? Just use the NLT, you know, <laughs> and then you can then you can argue with us and tell us that race isn't in the Bible and Jesus came to save everyone, no matter their race.
4: Incredible. You want to prove? Yeah, Isaiah was wrong. Use the KJV
3: yeah Joe. you don't understand. Isaiah was wrong. The New Testament was the updated Bible you see, yeah, it
0: all changed man There was some King James only and and wow, my memory's failing me in a lot of ways, but maybe it's just because it's all bullshit peripheral bullshit that I shouldn't be concerned with, but there was some clown. That Don Spears just loved it was Peter something Peter Strugman or Peter what whatever his last name was I don't remember but he was a Jew he was half Jewish so he was an ethnic Jew as far as I'm concerned and he was a Baptist teacher that a lot of these southern Baptists just loved this guy and he used to claim that only the King James version of the Bible is is valid, And when he was confronted with the obvious mistakes, translation mistakes, in the King James Version of the Bible, he would just say that that is the ongoing revelation of God. And that's the excuse that they use the for clinging to, to their question. mistakes. The ongoing revelation of God absolutely incredible to me it's like ridiculous
1: yeah and it's like you point out that um the kjv translators were just men and they humbly accepted that they were just men in their introduction to their translation and they acknowledged that they could have made some errors so not even the kjv translators would put themselves on a pedestal that these um some of these people with an agenda put themselves on, put the yeah. KJV translators on, sorry.
4: Well, not even only KJV people say stuff like that, but don't the Catholic Church say that? I know the Mormons say that. Oh, you know, it's we're still learning. We're changing the rules.
1: Yeah, we can null- yeah, that's funny. Yeah, we can nullify the the law, you know, according to the feelings of men today. You know, who cares if the law says a Moabite can't enter the congregation of the Lord? Some men decided, you know, Ruth's pretty good. She's a nice gal. Let her in. <laughs> uh,
6: and, the law uh, of
1: God is forever. And yeah. if we are pious men, we should believe it forever. Lord, God's not going to change his law because you had a feeling.
0: I can't remember this Peter, what's-his-face's name. I don't really care about him. I wouldn't piss on him if he was on on fire. But I'm kind of upset because I think I'm getting senile. I can't remember names. I I tried, like hell, in the chat the other day to remember the name Hans Spidel, and Brandon here had remembered the name, and I couldn't. And I did a whole podcast on the guy, so I should have remembered it. But that was ten years ago. I'm sorry.
3: Wasn't, I, the, wasn't
0: Peter, that guy? Um, sorry, Peter. the I, I don't remember his last name. It, it's bothering me. I'm sorry, Peter.
1: No, they do. it. They, I, I think at the end of the day, they just do that because if they cling to the KJV, it makes it easier for them, you know. But if it becomes too too much for them to argue properly and faithfully, you know, if you take that away. They have to then do a lot more study. They then have to reconsider the whole Bible and it's just too much for them. So they'd rather cling to this KJV only thing, just like Judeo Christians can't, they can't read the Bible for themselves. They need some Jew to explain it to them, some mega church pastor who's probably a Jew to explain it to them.
2: Well, it's because they all think they're, uh... A authority and if they have to admit they're wrong then it blurs the image of the authority they think they have in my opinion
1: yeah it's really cool because um, Christ challenged the authorities of his day in the knowledge of scripture and if you want to imagine what, the, what that you know institution that Christ challenged was like you would think oh well kind of like the evangelical church or the catholic church must have been a lot like them. <laughs> and people were scared to, you know, go against the church. And then Christ is like blessing people who um, believe him in spite of the authority of the church.
0: Okay. The clown I'm thinking about is Peter Ruckman. And it took me about 10 minutes to come up with that. But it's R-U-C-K-M-A-N. And If anybody listened to my early podcast, they might remember Don Spears, and he was King James only, and he was a follower of Peter Ruckman, and he, he actually said that if the King James has mistakes in it, well, if you point out mistakes in the King James Bible to him, he would dismiss them as the ongoing inspiration of God, so... The King James Bible, the translators could possibly make no mistakes because that was all the plan of God that they made those mistakes because they were actually, it was actually a continued inspiration. So in other words, God had to correct himself because he didn't really get it right in Greek, but he got it right in English. That's basically what they're contending. And, and that is so arrogant. That's incredibly arrogant.
1: Yeah, it's like when they say Jesus repented. You know, Jesus repented of his racism when he met the Canaanite woman. But I I remember, um, a time when we had, we posted a woman who was a KJV only in the forum and her argument was that Greek is a pagan language. So if you're going back to the Greek manuscripts, you're a pagan. You know, you're promoting paganism, which, which sounds absurd because what did, what does she think the KJV translators were reading? Well, English
0: oh, no. didn't English start out as a pagan language? <laughs> weren't weren't the English converted to Christianity in the sixth century A.D.? So they were speaking English before they were converted to Catholicism. So weren't they? Isn't English a pagan language? But I don't,
3: I don't oh, like think like even ever
4: Now it's changed, and now it's a Christian language.
3: Yeah, right. Wow. I think even Eber, you know, Eber or whatever his name, I don't know if Eber was, a, a, you know, a Yahwehist or if he had already wandered into paganism. So even Hebrew, you could consider there's paganism yeah. until um, Abraham well, that, was taken, you know.
2: With that same logic, though, I mean, the Greeks eventually turned Christian, so I mean, it's no longer pagan. <laughs>
0: Right, that's that's a good point, Brandon. That that's I'm going to look. I, I'm going. I'm going to look at something. Right. I always write my dates when I receive books. Okay. When I when when I started to get serious about studying Greek, I got myself a Thayer's lexicon first, because I hadn't yet heard about Liddell and Scott. So. If, if if you could see this, I don't know if you could see this or not. You probably can't see that. No, I don't know if you could see that. It's October twenty second, nineteen ninety nine. That this is my Liddell and Scott lexicon. Well, I have my Fayers here also. The same one that I bought in prison in in nineteen ninety nine. It, it's May twenty fourth. 1999 I, I don't know if you all can see that maybe you can William Fink May 24th 1999 That that's when, when I found Christian Identity it was October of 97 and I spent some time reading the Bible and and then I spent a whole lot of time reading identity stuff and studying some history and first I got Josephus and Tacitus, and, and that was probably in 98, and, and I could pull out my Josephus and and show you all that if, if it's worth it, but Josephus, Tacitus, and Herodotus in 98, and by then, through my identity reading that I was doing, I, I decided that I wanted to cut through all the bullshit and study Greek for myself. Because there were Paul bashers that were saying that Paul was wrong and I didn't believe that. And, and there was a lot of other bullshit that you heard about the New Testament. And, and I said, screw this, I'm going to learn Greek. And that's when I got my Thayer's lexicon. And, and it was only 15, 16, maybe 17 months in my identity studies. I decided just to learn Greek, put all the bullshit away and, and get to the the bottom of it for myself so that I could make my own determinations about what's right and wrong for myself. Now, I never imagined at that time that I would share it with so many people. All I cared about was getting to the truth of the matter to see if this Christian identity message was really true, if it was really the gospel. And and that took a long time, right? But that's why I went down this path, that's why I went down the path I did. Because I heard so much bullshit from so many different CI teachers, right? I I mean it was Compare and Swift and Emma Heiser came into my life in maybe June or July of ninety eight, Clifton Emma Heiser, right? When when I when I started reading his newsletters, he started them in May of ninety eight and by the end of 99, we had a friendship, but aside from my relationship with Clifton, there was so much different infra- information from so many different angles, and I just said, fuck all this. I, I want to put all this stuff away and, and just learn Greek so that I could figure it out for myself. So it it's you, you get so many um, varying opinions, and some of them are good. But a lot of them are just bad. They're based on subjective feelings rather than on objective facts. And so many people in CI even just don't get the difference between those two things. It's incredible. And CFT and Nathan Tom is a perfect example of that. And so is Michael Brandenburg and Brother Ryan and all the other men that I met and befriended that turned out to be failures that they all wanted their feelings to predominate rather than the word of God. Every one of them.
1: A lot of people don't realize how important it is, Bill, because at the basis of right judgment is putting your feelings to the side and judging rightly according to the word of God. Because a humble man will humble himself and his own opinions, his own feelings about the man. You know, if if someone comes before you for judgment and you're the king, say you're Solomon, he's always speaking about right judgment. And he has to hear that man um, fairly and justly so that he doesn't um, do the wrong thing by this man. So right judgment is at the basis of objectivity the Bible is always talking about objectivity lean not to your own understanding but lean on Yahweh and that's something these I think should be at the very beginning of our learning but these people still haven't learned it this objectivity is very important and it's the basis of brotherly love and justice and truth and dividing the word of God properly humbly truthfully exactly It's much more important than people realize.
0: I'm not trying to blow smoke up my own ass, but that's what I did was I tried to put away all the subjective bullshit and, and get to the objective heart of the matter, and even if I had to learn the original languages for myself
1: to determine what the truth was. And, and so it's no surprise that these men, NATO, when we last heard from him, because he used to be a part of our group, the last we heard from him, he was not judging as a Christian man should. He was making baseless accusations against another brother, and so you can see that that his his um his his lack of ability to judge people righteously also extends into his biblical exegesis, his doctrines if he would learn right judgment he would then be fair fair to his brothers he wouldn't be condemning people because of his feelings because someone said something mean and I was really upset about that you know he would be and then maybe he would get the scriptures right too you know so it extends into all aspects of his life we can see he's made an example of it but it should extend to all aspects of our own lives we should be objective with the scriptures and objective and fair with our brothers And everything outside the Bible isn't true. That's another thing. That's everything outside the Bible is subjective. The Bible is the objective truth. That's at the basis of objectivity and our worldview is the word of God because God, He's not subjective. He's not dependent on any other power. He's a sovereign power. He's objective in His own right. So it should extend, that understanding should extend into the Christian man's life, all aspects. I That's why we can't agree. be like these dumb scientists that believe in evolution and all the rest of it. Sorry, Bill.
0: No, no, you're fine. It, it's just that I'm aching to get another point in and another short, I hope, explanation. And I don't know if this was raised just a maybe twenty or twenty minutes or so ago by either Walt. I think it was Walt. It might have been Zephiel, but it was raised by one of them. That. When, when I was early in my identity studies, I met Ralph Daigle. And Ralph Daigle's a, a great guy. I really don't want to say bad about him, but he went off into Paul bashing. And Ralph had a bigger problem than Paul bashing. And Ralph and I spent a year and a half together. And it wasn't only Ralph. Ralph was a fellow pastor with Jim Wickstrom for years in their church in Michigan before he went to prison and again after he got out of prison in 1999 until 2005 when Wickstrom started his womanizing with Kathy Kallstrom and it split that church and Ralph and others split ways with Wickstrom and, and would have nothing to do with him because he he basically committed adultery with another man's wife and he knew it. And he tried to justify it. Wickstrom tried to justify it. And I still had that correspondence in my prison papers from when that happened. And someday, I pray, Yahweh will give me the opportunity to get it online. But I'm just one man. I can't do everything. It's too much. So that being said, Ralph came from a circle of people, including Wickstrom, that believed that because they understood the CI truth, that they must have been inspired by God to understand this truth. And because they were inspired by God, they could not be wrong about anything. Because if they were wrong about anything, then that would discredit everything they said, everything they believed. And this was their attitude. And I ran into this a year into my CI studies. And I'm like, are you kidding me? for real you can't be wrong about anything we can all be wrong about something the apostles were wrong about things and i pointed that out in in my john podcast right that that was a learning progression the entire book of acts was a learning progression forty the apostles themselves where they learned through through trial and error and further study of the scriptures how christianity wanted how Christianity and the words of Christ wanted them to go forth in the future, leaving behind this old covenant and all of its requirements that they didn't have to abide by any longer. So so that was a learning process for the apostles. So these, this circle, Ralph and all his friends, they didn't believe they could be wrong about anything. And if you tried to explain to them kindly, as a Christian brother, that they were wrong about something, they would reject you because they were inspired by God, and they can't be wrong, because if they were wrong, that would be God's fault. And I'm like, are you fucking for real? That's crazy. But that's how they thought.
1: And there was a whole group of them. That sounds like too... That sounds Dewey a lot Tucker. like Dewey Tucker too and his website's called Truth from God. And he claims to have like a message straight from God and it's kind of CI, but like he can't be wrong and you can't argue against him because he got his revelation straight from God. That's um that's similar to what um a, a recent atheist A brother recently denied Christ. He used to be a brother with us. He denied Christ. And he claimed, he said to us, you know, has God ever told you the scriptures are true? So he wanted a personal revelation from God to substantiate our faith rather than trusting the scriptures. All these men think that they need some sort of personal revelation from God and that God's speaking directly to them. You know, that's not, that's not very humble and it's not very objective and they're leading men astray. Another one is Mormonism. The Book of Mormon, he believed he had a revelation straight from God and wrote the Book of Mormon.
4: Yeah. Joseph Smith, right. Have you done anything on that and talked about like how adding after revelation is just like wild? But, well also right,
0: that it is South wild. Prophet, but... I, I could probably do a whole podcast on that because you know what? The Pharisees added all these traditions of the elders to the law. It it's like it says in Mark chapter seven, I think it is, they wouldn't eat unless they washed their hands up to the elbow. Are you kidding me? Where was that in Deuteronomy and Leviticus? It's not there. Who made that shit up? Where'd that come from? The Pharisees had all kinds of regulations that they used to govern the lives of men, and none of those regulations are in the scripture. So I could probably do a whole podcast on that alone, but that's all adding to the word of God, to the law of God, and and men have always had that compulsion, but When men do that, if you read the Wisdom of Solomon, when men imagine that they could make laws beyond what God made, then they're setting themselves up as gods. Then they're pretending to be gods. They're pretending to be a law under themselves. And they only use that law under themselves. They can only enforce it by might, by power. And they are setting themselves up to be gods. That's idolatry.
1: Yeah, they judge other men according to their own law. But what would you say, Bill? Just thinking about what would you say to a man who said, "I have a revelation direct from God. Prove me wrong." Right. Like, how how would you actually respond to that man? Because you can't argue against him because he says, "Well, my revelation is straight from God. Disprove that, you know." And he and how he he might I, I challenge him to, you prove said from the right. prove right. to prove himself right.
0: Prove himself right. He that to prove himself right. And if his revelation from God is contrary to Scripture, he's just a blasphemer. But the prophets, all prophets... Would he be a
1: false prophet?
0: Yes, that does make him a false prophet. Because you know why? Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, at many times in diverse ways, Yahweh spoke to us through the prophets. Today, he speaks to us through the Son. Joshua Christ, I'm paraphrasing Paul of Tarsus, there are no more prophets in that sense that speak for God. There are prophets in other senses who can reveal the secrets of men, or, or who can interpret the words of God, but that primary sense of being a prophet, the last prophet is Christ. Hebrews chapter 1. Period. So, if you want to imagine that you're a prophet, All of the prophets of the Old Testament had prophesied things that would come true in the near future. And they prophesied things that they themselves didn't live to see the fulfillment of in the distant future. So if you want to be a prophet, you better be able to prophesy things that come true tomorrow or next month or next week. Otherwise, where is your credibility as a prophet? And all these clowns that are professed to be prophets in the, the Protestant period, but it goes back into the Middle Ages also, they have all prophesied in vain. Every single freaking one of them. The latest perhaps being what, what's that how whatever his face is, late great planet earth clown, and, and all eli james and all the clowns that thought this mayan calendar was true I, I mean it's an endless list of false prophets
1: well the prophets of the Old testament never prophesied against the law of god that would have immediately revealed that they were a false prophet i mean absolutely they, right prophesying against the the law of God wouldn't make you a false prophet. Yet that's what CFT actually claims. They claim the prophet Isaiah nullified the law of God, and that's why I think CFT are making false prophecies, false interpretations.
0: Well, right, because Jesus Christ, or Yahshua Christ, as we would prefer to call him, had upheld the prophet Isaiah on numerous occasions. So why would Christ uphold a false prophet? So, Isaiah must be true, and all of CFT are liars. That's NATO and Ezra Pound and Matthew Watt and a few other clowns.
1: Yeah, well, Christ himself died on behalf of the law, so he certainly didn't. In that respect, he was a true prophet and he upheld the law. No prophet ever went against the law, and not even Christ. No, he
0: wouldn't be a prophet, we wouldn't have his books. Oh yeah, that's another good
1: point. Yeah, Christ made prophecies that came true, you know, the the woman who um would have a testament in all the world that his message would go out into all the world. Right.
0: That that is so profound. I I pointed that out I think in my Matthew or Luke or, or whatever commentaries I did in the past, but that is so profound that he said things like that and they came true. Now what Buddha or what I, I I don't know fucking Dalai Lama could say something like that and in 5 years or 3 or 2 his words are forgotten and they go off into the dust and his followers are on some other game because they're trying some other hustle. Who could say that? But Christ the the risk he took that all his words would be forgotten forever if that didn't come true. But it came true. What other religion ever did that? That wherever this gospel is preached in all the world. Now, how the hell did he know in Jerusalem, months or days before he was crucified, that his words, the words out of his mouth, his gospel would be preached in all the world? But he knew it. He knew it because he's true. He knew it because he is God. That that would be a testimony to that woman that anointed his head and his feet. And that's included in three of the gospel accounts. And she did receive that testimony that she anointed the head the, the head and feet of Yahshua Christ, of, of the Messiah. So how did Christ know that that was going to go out through all the world? He only knew it because he is God. And it did go out through all the world, which proves that he is God. that The proof is replete. That's not the only proof in the New Testament. There are many others that he said similar things like that, that the whole world was going to notice gospel. And it did. And we have it to this
4: very day. What the hell? And, uh, Bill, Burn asked, uh, what about Acts 2.16 through 17? Uh, how do you feel about that? And it's, uh, rather this is that which was spoken through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in, those, in the days future, says Yahweh, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophecy, and your youths shall see visions. And your elders shall dream dreams. Okay, so what's the problem? Well, he was, I think he's asking about your earlier comment, uh, where prophecy is over. There's no more prophets.
0: Well, we might still have visions and dreams, but we're not prophesying the future, of future events. No. No. The last prophet is Christ. In, in my opinion. And that's his revelation. Nobody's going to add to that. We don't have the word of God so that we can see the future. I don't believe that and nobody's ever done it. And and all that bullshit about Edgar Casey, I no. That's not credible. No that stuff was never published before he died that stuff was never published before it was claimed to have been fulfilled i don't believe any of it it's all jewish propaganda so and and that's just an example acts 216 and 17 yet your daughter shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions that that word prophecy has several aspects of fulfillment it could be to reveal things that are not otherwise known or it could be used of an interpreter of the Word of God, or it could be someone who receives messages from God and records them down that tell of future events. In that last sense, I believe Christ is the last prophet, as Paul of Tarsus attested in Hebrews chapter 1.
1: Isn't that um, prophecy in Joel, though, referring to the later range, and we've only had the initial reign so at that time of the initial reigns they did have some powers and now we're waiting the later reigns I don't think the later reigns have come yet so when the later reigns come then all flesh will have these powers again and they'll be and they'll have dreams and they'll prophecy and they'll heal and so, so on and is uh, it the later rains?
0: Well, I don't know if they'll prophecy... And I'm not trying to be a stickler, but when the later rains come, the shit's already hit the fan, Babylon's already fallen, and we'll all know what the hell to do. That's my opinion. But yeah, I, but I think you're right in a lot enjoy, of ways. It's
1: baking of the later rains.
0: But by the time the later rain comes the Holy Spirit is descending on the children of God once again, I, I really believe that it's going to be very clear what we should do because it's written in the revelation of Christ. Babylon has fallen. Take vengeance on her. Pay back to her double as she rewarded you. That The last destruction of the enemy at the the wedding feast of the Lamb, that's described in Revelation chapters 18, chapters 19, that that's going to be clear for us to do. So it's not really a prophecy of the future, it's really an understanding of what the revelation of Christ has already told us. That's my opinion I can't prove it until it happens, right? (laughs) I can't prove my opinion until we're looking backward at it, not forward. So seeing visions and dreaming dreams could very well simply be receiving an understanding of what the revelation of Christ has already told us, because it's all there. That's my opinion.
1: Well, some Christian identists believe in that South African prophet, so-called, and he did tell of future events. But when I read some of his stuff, it was very hit and miss. Like, he had a lot of misses and some hits, and some of the hits were, like, kind of obvious that, that, that that's the way things could play out. Yeah, right. So I'm not and sure t- if he was a prophet or if he...
0: It- he wasn't a prophet. He was a clown. and In my opinion, he was a clown, and yeah, right. I could sit here and what, like this petrodollar thing that's going on right now, right? And and I could prophecy concerning that. I actually wrote about it this morning in 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 my and and I've been saying it for months in the chat that this Ukraine war is really only about the currency that's that that's used to trade oil and gas. That's what the war is really about in the Ukraine. So it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. It only takes a man who can observe the last 50 years of the economic history of the world to figure that out, right? And a lot of people already have. It's in various other places on the Internet. This war in the Ukraine is all about the petrodollar, and the United States is declining from its period of world dominion because of the decline of the petrodollar in fact at our friend I'm not even going to say his name because he's so afraid of being doxxed right now but I did a few podcasts with him in the past uh, about these end times updates he sent me a message today about Saudi Arabia considering accepting Chinese currency for their oil which would indeed signal the very end of the dollar as the currency with which all oil and gas are traded and uh, A hegemony which the United States has held, a monopoly basically, on world currency which the United States has held since the 1970s and I I hope to discuss this further and and explain it further with Dr. Michael Hill when we do our uh, when we record our podcast for next Friday, but that being said, since the Bretton Woods Agreement in 1944 The United States dollar has been the de facto world currency. And that situation lasted until I think it was 1971 when Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard and we betrayed the Bretton Woods Agreement at that time. But the dollar was able to retain its position because all of the OPEC nations had agreed to only accept U.S. dollars for their oil in exchange for United States support and and weapons and training and, and other things like that. And that has maintained the United States dollar as the de facto world currency since 1944 and now with these, th- this Russian confrontation and the other developments in Russia, such, such as Nord Stream, Nord Stream One and Nord Stream Two, where Russia can sell gas directly to Germany rather than going through Ukraine, that's what the Ukraine war is really about. That Russia has had to sell all its gas and oil through the ukraine into europe and that means that they've had to use american currency the american dollar to do it now russia builds this nord stream and they could sell gas and oil directly, gas especially, directly to Germany without any American intervention at all and sell it for rubles. That's a big problem for the American dollar. When the American dollar is no longer the petrodollar, then we here in America are going to suffer massive amounts of inflation and oil and and. Natural gas are going to be sold on the open market overseas for whatever currency the, the countries doing the buying and selling decide. And that's the end of the dollar. And we are going to have a really hard time that have American dollars and use American dollars. We're going to have a very hard time with inflation and with buying imports from overseas. Their prices are going to be incredibly higher because nobody's going to want dollars at that point. So, so this economy, this post-World War II economy, has been for the United States a complete artificial economy, where the Jews that are in, that are running the Federal Reserve can print all the dollars they want as long as there is a demand for those dollars on the world markets, because other nations require those dollars to purchase energy, to purchase oil and gas. And now that cash cow is running out for the Federal Reserve bankers. So wherever the Federal Reserve bankers are going, because you know it's not them that are going to take the losses. It's going to be the United States government and the American people that take the losses. So we're fucked and the Jews are jumping ship to another freaking country. That's the way it's going to play out if... We don't maintain the petrodollar hegemony. But if we do maintain the petrodollar hegemony, then Babylon doesn't fall. So we're all waiting for Babylon to fall. I would love to see the petrodollar, the United States dollar, fall from its position in the the world, even if that means that it's a little harder for for us to eat next week, next month. It'll be better in the long run because Babylon is going to fall. That's my rant for this evening.
1: But if if Babylon is a Jewish um, Jewish power ruling over our society, the, the fall of the petrodollar may not affect them. It might only affect white, like middle class people like us and the Jews will be immune to it So they might have even, you know, I don't know much about it. Like you guys, I don't, I'm not very good on politics, but it seems to me I'm always suspicious that the kikes have some sort of plan in everything. So do you
0: think they they have a plan, right? That they think they have a plan, but who buys everything that these freaking chinks make over there in China? And where does all of the know-how and, and, Engineering come from to make these things in the first place. There's a there's so many variables. But if if American consumers can't buy this crap from China, then you think China is going to sustain itself?
2: Well, doesn't Revelation say that the merchants weep because we don't buy their goods anymore? Right, That's exactly. Right Brandon. there, is it not?
0: Exactly. Right in Revelation chapter 18. No, it,
1: could, it could be a sign. It could be a sign of the fall of Babylon, but maybe Babylon's consolidating its power. I don't know. I don't know enough. But right. I, I don't know either. I'm not
0: going to pretend to see the future. I'm not going to pretend to see the future. But all I'm going to say is that for the United States to maintain its position of world dominion, It has to maintain the petrodollar because that's the only thing that props up the dollar as a currency. Otherwise, the dollar is useless. They printed so many of these damn things that if it weren't for the worldwide demand of U.S. dollars because other nations need it to purchase oil and gas, if it weren't for that demand, it would be Worth it it would be totally worthless they printed so many and the United States is in such debt as a nation gambling that the dollar is going to remain in its current position and of course it's not the people it's not the American people that have benefited from any of this Okay, there's probably Are a lot of other variables. thinking of um, moving to China. I'm sorry, we
4: probably, probably shouldn't kill Cox this conversation the with, with the petrol dollar <laughs> well, well yeah yeah, you kept that going a while, but that you were saying like uh that's just like easy that's just like the you can see it's not a not of prophecy. No, it's not. Uh, I mean, at the wall and hit a few spots aren't prophets. One
1: of the funniest prophecies was when Eli James was claiming the world was going to end on, in 2012. Oh yeah, and,
0: uh, y'all weren't I, here back then. I, 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 I had a regular podcast that night back on December 21st, 2012, I I think it was a Friday night, so I did my regular Friday night podcast, and then I did my second podcast that night, hanging out on the TeamSpeak chat, the, the audio chat, and making fun of Eli James the whole time, and there's a podcast at Christagenia, mocking Eli James December 21st 2012 and I actually drank a six-pack of Shock Top and Shock Top had a flavor called End of the World Midnight Wheat or something like that and I took pictures of it and posted it with the podcast I thought it was funny as fuck right I was just mocking those clowns or that clown. So that Eli wasn't alone in that. There were a bunch of them that really thought that the world was going to end. Jesus was going to return December 21st, 2012, because some squat monster calendar, some interpretation of some squat monster calendar thought so. And come on.
1: Yeah, the Mayan calendar. Yeah. Such a joke. Like a CI pastor would go to a Mayan calendar and.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was a complete embarrassment. It was a total joke. So was NATO. It's, so it's was no CFT. So
4: was. Uh, I'm oh, sorry. Well, it's, yeah, it's no different than any of these like Catholic people or anything like that. Judeo, Baptist, Mormon, or whatever that wants to say they're also CI. And it's just no different. Well, well you know, like right. They they not marry. <laughs>
0: I'm not going to pretend to make any prophecies. I mean, what I say about the petrodollar is the obvious economic landscape in world politics at the time. But the problem is it, it only sounds like it might be prophetic and it's not prophetic. It only sounds like that because the mainstream media does not report on it. So most Americans are totally ignorant and oblivious of the situation. And they don't understand that the axis of evil is only the axis of evil because they all try to circumvent the requirement to have American currency to buy and sell over overseas, to buy and sell their oil overseas. That's the only reason why they're at the axis of evil. And that's Iran, Syria, Libya, North Korea.
1: Well, there's another reason, you know, they're bastards.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, they're all bastards, and we know that. But so are the Jews that are calling them the Axis of Evil are also bastards. And and this whole Russia Ukraine thing is really only two gangs of Jews competing for for domination of the region. That's all it is. Satan's house is divided against itself.
1: Thank- gotten so arrogant they think they can fight against each other and where you know we don't come in the equation i suppose
4: well they they've done it all the time it's like when they go and they pass some sort of gay bill and they want people to become transgender and then they start having transgenders in israel yeah it, they
1: devour themselves yeah
4: they they just go and poison the world
1: yeah, what's like up, in Doom? You, in
4: the US, you have that um that government
1: minister who's a, a government politician who's like a trenny or something, <laughs> and he's a Jew.
0: I see Doom in the background, and he's just dying to talk. He has his camera on, and I'm sorry.
7: Oh no, I, I'm just listening. I don't really have much to chime in. yet. I, I've been hit, I've been listening. But I've been in and out and finally got the chance to sit down and actually pay attention,
0: okay, that's cool. I just saw you there. It looked like you might want to say something i I just can't believe that you don't have much to oh, say no, right I just, now
7: <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I will at some point <laughs> okay
0: it it might be after I go to the bathroom because look at these are empty, so yeah. <laughs> I about to take an intermission. I'm sorry. I'm getting older, and I'm 61 now, and I I did two and a half hours. It was like two hours and 36 minutes with Truth Fids, and I was just bursting at the end. I I just can't, like, and that's in the morning, and I'm only drinking coffee and water, but I I just, wow, I had to run to the bathroom. It, It sucks getting old. That's my complaint for the day, I guess.
7: But I, Bill, I, I have been, I read, read a few things about what you were talking about, like the dollar being the, you know, money backing petrol, basically, and it, it is interesting to think about, what well, you know, hearing some of the things that's happening in the world, like you said, that seems like people are starting to pull out and back Russia more, and, you know, what not that that's necessarily a bad thing, just, you know, how it's going to affect us in the
0: long run well from what i understand that that the saudi arabians are basically in negotiations with china to sell china oil for chinese currency so that would yeah, be yeah. basically saudi arabians turning their backs completely on the united states when it was part of the OPEC agreement with the Arab oil crisis in the 70s that the Saudis only sell their oil for American dollars. So that could also – I wouldn't doubt if the neocons didn't start accusing the Saudis of of making weapons of mass destruction or some shit. (laughs) I really wouldn't. It's on the horizon.
1: Yeah, like Libya and Iraq were taken out. Exactly same reasons. Same
0: exact reasons. The whole Iraq war was only over oil, and the saber rattling against Iran, although it hasn't come to fruition, is over the, for the same exact reasons, and the same reason why Gaddafi was taken out, and and right, and the same reason why that this. Well, he is kind of a like clown. He, he's like the weirdest looking SOB I've ever seen. It is that gook that runs North Korea. So, I mean, that, that's, it's all the same thing. It's, it's all the same reason behind it. They don't want to be part of the central banking system. They want to sell oil for their own currency or trade in their own currency and, and they're not going along. With, with the American domination of world economics and politics. So the Americans, the, the neocon Jews that are just agents for the banks, because the entire liberal media and all the neocon Jews, I'm sorry, they're all just agents for the same damn banks, and they do the bidding of the same damn banks, and they just... L- spew out endless reams of propaganda winning American politicians over to be in favor of destroying these nations that aren't playing the American dollar banking game. That's the way I see it.
7: Well, yeah. And are these people... I mean, they're idiots. They can't figure out this is the same thing that happened to Russia. And... Germany you know in the world wars like soon you know could be heading toward another world war I mean that's what they Russia and Germany tried to do was try to become independent of these Jew bankers world Jewry
1: yeah Hitler had to fight a multi-front war because the rest of the western world came against him when he untied his country's economy from the globalist system
7: yeah Absolutely. And now Russia seems to be doing the same thing.
0: Gentlemen, y'all hold this down a minute. I'm sorry. I'll be right back. That that means I hope y'all continue your conversation. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, that's all right, Bill. Yeah, that's no all right. But I'm not. You know, I'm not sure if Russia's doing that today, just because Russia's got so many Jews oh you, know, you know Russia's well, heavily you know it's not like Germany was like some pe- some nationalists are siding with Putin though I don't I don't think I would
7: yeah I don't, I don't know it just seems to be it seems like they're yeah maybe not uh, the a direct comparison but you know it seems like they seem are going against the traditional way things have been being done lately you know but maybe that's the
1: end up screwing us over in the end. Yeah, maybe, but um Putin says he's going into the Ukraine to fight the Nazis and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And then you look at these, these Azov is it Azov, is that how you say it? Battalion and they claim to be Nazis.
7: Yeah, yeah.
3: They're, and they're killing
1: Oh, are they? Well but they're financed by Jews, the same people who finance the yeah. Jewish president
4: and people are saying that they were trained by the CIA I don't know if that's even true though
1: what I do, well the thing is that if they were Nazis why would they be killing Ukrainian like white people why would they be killing it, it seems like they're portraying Nazis in a bad light like Nazis are these madmen who murder and rape and kill you know it's, it's like how are they Nazis though
7: yeah I don't know. Don't I've heard hear stories, stories of, like, Hitler youth camps and things too there.
1: Oh, yeah, oh, maybe, maybe at the lower level there, they seem like Nazis, but at the higher level, I've heard that the Azov battalion, like, crucified a guy because he didn't want to kill other, he, well, effectively didn't want to kill other white people because he didn't want to fight. So they, they crucified him and then they lit You know, someone posted the the video. So I'm not sure about the Azov Battalion being, like, literal Nazis. If they were Nazis, they would be Christian, and they wouldn't be, like, murdering people. uh, Which I've heard. I'm not 100% sure that's what they're doing, because we don't get the full story, but they don't sound like Nazis to me. Right. And they're citing with Jewish interest.
4: Maybe they're just the dummy pagan brand of Nazi. Yeah, the
1: yeah. phony Nazis, the pagans aren't real Nazis. They're they cowards. Yeah. They're weak. And
7: they're dumb. <laughs> well, you, you know, know what? About the, it. I the... think
3: I've spoken to you about this. It's basically they like the aesthetic aspect of it, you know, dressing up, uh getting the runes or whatever, but they don't like the principles.
4: Yeah, yeah you
7: have probably, to think. Yeah, probably to think. get some kind of attention for too. Let, let me beautiful. just say that. With well, we the, can't hear you. You're
1: muted, Bill. Oh, I wow. mic's muted or something.
0: Thanks, Joe. I did. I muted my mic and forgot. But let me just say that we have to understand this from the Ukrainian point of view. These people had no information about Nazism. Absolutely none before 1991 and even after 1991, what they probably had available to them about Real Nazis is very limited. So they might believe that they are Nazis or National Socialists or trying to be nationalists without having a good education about what nationalism really is. So they might be authentic. I'm not, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't know anything about the Azov battalion, but I do know one member of the Christiania chat who I am not going to name because I haven't seen him in a couple of weeks now, but he thinks highly of some of those fellows, and he's actually been to Ukraine to meet them, so I really don't want to um, talk smack about them. All I want to say is that it's very possible that they think different about what they should be as nationalists than what we think. That's all I'm going to say there. I do know that the right sector, the other Nazi group in the Ukraine, the the right sector is is wholly led down a rabbit hole by Jews. The right sector is, they suppose that they presume to be nationalists, but they're really just... Another branch of like maybe Ukrainian neocon or something. They're totally misled by Jews. So the right sector is like, to me, like the American alt-right, where they think they are alt-right or right-wing, but they're really just being led by the nose by these Jews. The Azov battalion, I don't know very much about, but I do know that one Christianian forum Chris again, a chat member who does know a lot of them personally, and he happens to think highly of them. I would like to have more of his input about them, but he hasn't been around in a few weeks. He really hasn't been around much since this war started. He's not in Ukraine now. Um, I have every reason to believe he's in the United States, but I haven't heard from him. And I would like to. And if he hears this, then he'll know who I'm talking about. So that's all I could say about that. That's my two cents. What a Russian might think a Nazi is probably isn't what we think a Nazi is. Because how much real information had they had access to? We can't even answer that question. But I can't imagine that it was a lot. I really can't. That doesn't have to be a conversation killer. I'm right. just giving my
4: two cents. Yeah, my perspective. All right. yeah. well, does, does anyone have any more questions or anything?
1: Yeah, that's what I do have a question. So I, I'm thinking now I can ask my question, which is um, Paul spoke about discerning the body in a congregation. And he said something, you know, to paraphrase him, because I can't, I don't have it in front of me. He said something like, many of you are ill and sick or something like that because we've failed to discern the body right and i'm thinking you know we we don't really have the ability to know you know who we're actually associating with a hundred percent of the time i myself i think i'm of british um ancestry i don't know so are we going to be punished by god if we accept a mamza who we think is a genuine white man you know, no. are we going to have sickness in our congregation and trials in our congregation because there's someone in the congregation we, who we don't realize is a Panza?
2: Well,
0: we might have trials in the congregation, yes, but I don't think we're personally going to be punished because as I pointed out so many times in, in, especially in my John commentary, we are judged by what we're given to know and what we do with that. We can't, if we don't know something, why would Yahweh condemn us if there's no way that we could know it?
1: There's sins of ignorance in the, in the Old Testament.
0: Well, eg- different types of ignorance, right? Are you ignorant to the law? You shouldn't be ignorant to the law. None of us have an excuse to be ignorant to the law because we could all read the law. So there's different types of ignorance, and some of them are probably excusable, and some of them probably aren't. Look, the apostles didn't know who Judas Iscariot was. They thought he was a good guy that was running off to give some money to charity. And instead he was running off to to betray Christ to the Pharisees and lead them to him. So are the apostles condemned for that? No, because they didn't know. Does that answer your question, Joe? Am I still here?
1: That does make sense to me. Like, if you, the one who, the mamsa would be causing the trials in the congregation
7: because, yeah,
1: reveal them, yeah.
0: Yeah it's, so yeah, yeah right. But it's not always... I'm sorry. It's not always evident what's happening. And I know that from experience. Look at the recent um experience with this Ed Wiffen character. This Mark Ed Wiffen. That's his full name. It's Mark Edwin Wiffen. Edwin Wiffin. That's his name, Mark Edward Win. What about this character that that he was a forum member for three years and he just laid there in the background until he suddenly attempted to ingratiate himself with with myself and, and my wife and he moved up here to be with us and hung out with us for six months and all of a sudden he turned on us with all sorts of false accusations. And he singled out the Murphy family and he's telling the Murphy family things about us that aren't true and telling us things about the Murphy family that aren't true just so that he could sow division between us and divide us. So what about someone like that? You, You don't know it. When somebody's operating behind your back, you don't know it until somebody comes to tell you. And when somebody comes to tell you, you still can't act on it until you have proof in two or three witnesses. So all of that takes a long time to play out. And somebody in a congregation that doesn't belong there can actually operate. For a long time before they're fully elucidated, that they they are bastards and that they have to go. In my opinion, sometimes but Paul I could take.
1: Also says like some of us. Go on. Like like some of us will be sick and ill because of these these um, we fail to discern the body. So some of us will have you know. Trials in the flesh because of these people among us. So I'm wondering if like they're causing like a curse in a congregation. And the I other don't... point was feel like in the Old Testament, there, you, there were sin offerings for sins of ignorance. So if you were ignorant of something, you'd still make an offering just in case. I remember, um, the prophet Job made an offering for his sons and daughters just in case they had sinned in their heart a sin of ignorance, I would think. So sins of ignorance. Are we making sins of ignorance if we don't identify, like, mongrels in our own congregation?
0: But I think it's inevitable. I think it's inevitable because, first, we don't have all the necessary tools to identify mongrels. And I've seen a lot of Jews in, in my upbringing in New York Blonde hair, blue eyes, no, no detectable um, anomalies in their skull shape or ear shape or appearance that you would think were white kids. And they were Jews. They were so freaking mixed. They might have been a quarter Jew or an eighth Jew or a 16th Jew, but they were going to yeshivas. And And you see that in New York City. You don't see it in, in like rural Kentucky, but you do see it in New York City. So what if one of those or, or somebody like that claimed to be a Christian and came into a Christian identity congregation? Maybe he authentically doesn't like niggers because he had bad experiences with blacks. So maybe he's, he's sincere about that. And he goes on and on, but he has all these other anomalies that he's causing trouble in areas. Maybe he has some immorality that Jews are prone to, or something like that. And he's trying to spread that through the congregation. Who knows, right? I, I mean, it, it's Paul of Tarsus dealt with false brethren brought in unawares. So why should we yeah, be? Yeah, that's a good point. Why should we be any better than Paul? How am I any better than Paul? I'm not yeah, better sorry, than Paul. Yeah. I can't possibly be better than Paul or no more than Paul. But now, 2,000 years after Paul, we're a lot further down the road where so many people are so much more mingled up than they were in Paul's time. And they were pretty damn mixed in Judea with the Edomites and the Israelites. Nobody could tell him apart on sight. Flavius Josephus did not realize. The implications. Of Herod's being an Edomite. He said that Herod was an Edomite. He said it like four times. Throughout his histories. And his wars of the Judeans. He explained that Herod. Was an Edomite. At least four times. In different ways. In those voluminous books. So. If Flavius Josephus didn't, wasn't able to tell them apart by appearance, and if the apostles weren't able to tell them apart by appearance, how could we presume to be any better? I can't. I do the best I can. A man professes the gospel of Christ. He keeps the, the whole message. He doesn't promote any transgression of the law I believe I have to accept that man until the time comes when some uncleanness is found in him if I don't find any uncleanness in him
7: white we assume they're Israelites?
0: we have to because there's if there's no uncleanness in their profession in their deeds in their fruits and they're apparently white how do we kick them to the curb on what basis? I I don't have one. That, if anybody isn't white, I mean, including it? myself, I would love to remove themselves from remove them from my life. Right? <laughs> including myself. It, that's the way it is. That that's a person that loves the law, but how do I tell? How do you tell Ed? With now after his troublemaking. Melissa started researching, and she remembered his brother's name. And she went looking for him on Facebook. And he is obviously mixed. But Ed Whiff is not obviously mixed, so we always had to accept him, even though he weighed 500 friggin' pounds, right? Even though he was uh, morbidly obese, right? So we still had to accept him because he was apparently white, and his entire profession was in line with everything we believe. So we accepted him until the day that he exposed himself by causing divisions and troubles that were unwarranted, and we had to cut loose from them. I had to accept him. What can I do? On what basis can I reject him?
1: No, that's logical. I guess I was just getting a bit feeling space because I was wondering like could tears in our community cause us illnesses and things like that? And that you we can't know. We can't answer that question. It was maybe you know as best we can anyways. So
0: yes, they probably can, and they probably did that to first century Christians, but we have to just have be pure in heart and, and I believe always try to do the best thing. If somebody comes along and, and their gospel profession is correct and they are apparently white, I don't care if they got funny ears. Um, his forehead's too short. His nose is, it is too wide. His hair is a little coarse or it's too dark. Get the fuck out of here if we want to reject each other on that basis where does that end where does it end I don't care no, if you that got would
1: be <laughs> that would be yeah
0: and, I don't care if you got two or three guys with the ideal phenotype and you're gonna find a, two of those guys are gonna find a reason to reject the third it, it's gonna happen eventually where does it end it's subjective it's bullshit Christ said, by their fruits you know them. Now, if there's three guys in in a group and one of them's a fucking faggot and he's trying to suck the dicks of the other two, then him you gotta get rid of. You gotta get rid of him, whether you think he's white or not, because he's a sinner. And that's the gospel profession and that's the word of Christ and that's the teachings of Paul. So, I'm and that's not gonna, what I'm
1: thinking now is link connecting it to to I'm that sorry. because then if we're failing to even look at the fruits of a person, then we're failing. But if we're always prepared to look at the fruits, how you know, we're not really failing Christ and we're not really failing Paul.
0: Right, I always assess men by their fruits. Now, there are obvious non-whites that you can't accept. But if somebody's apparently white and professes to be white, you have to judge them only by their fruits. That's all you have to go by. And that's the standard in the gospel. That's how Judas Iscariot was judged. Even though Christ knew he was a devil. And that's his example for us. Christ knew he was a devil because he's God. The apostles didn't know he was a devil. They thought he was a good guy because they're only men. They're only men. I'm only a man. I'm only a man like them. So I can't
1: do better than them. Yeah, that does sound like us.
4: We're only men. And, And Joe, I just posted this. I mean, everyone, I think everyone was already talking about it when it happened, and you talked about it in the forum here. I don't know if this was before he was on the outs, or after, when he was talking about women with big butts and all this crap, how they're all hot, or whatever,
1: and I was messing with them.
4: No, you posted it in the forum.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was. That's when I sort of thought, thought, why is this guy speaking against the law? Like I'm talking about marriage, and he's talking about big butts and stuff. And I'm like, what? Yeah. And and that's the way
0: he was. The way he said it.
1: it I'm so sleazy. It was so sleazy. And could you imagine, like. This 500-pound guy, like, perving on your girlfriend or whatever? It was yeah. so weird and sleazy to
0: me. He was totally sleazy. He was totally sleazy. And we would Bill, never accept his the sleaze. A, we we never accepted his sleaze. So he evidently, he, he eventually kept his sleaze suppressed, but he never repented of it.
3: Bill, isn't there something also, you know, on the mind? Let's just say of the possible tear. For example, one could uh, doubt that the person. Oh, okay, he's behaving well, and maybe even the person is trying to give the best of himself, but he doesn't know if he's a tear. Like his, it's cloudy. His family history. So, isn't there that possibility as well? Maybe he's trying his best. He's not trying to undermine the, the community. I think there was a guy like that on the forums. I think his name was Torba, and maybe he thought of himself as being a Jew, and then he wanted to remove
0: himself. And then he found out he wasn't a Jew and he came back. I, I understand that. And and a lot of people are rational like that. Um, the fact that he had a conscience, that, that showed me that he may not have been a Jew, but he tried to come back, but he never really came back. I don't know what happened with that but he eventually fell off. Which kind of made me feel bad if he uh, wasn't a Jew.
1: I think he got really hurt. He was really feelings-based. We told him, like, oh, well, you know, you have to agree with the Bible law, and the Bible's law says no right. no mongrels, right? And he was really upset about that, but it wasn't really us being mean to him. It was more like he was being mean to himself. <laughs>
0: Yes, right, exactly. But we have to remain subjective, or I'm sorry, we have to remain objective concerning the law. And we have to uphold the law. And it really breaks my heart to kick some people to the curb when they themselves admit that they are one-eighth this or one-fifth that or whatever. It breaks my heart, but I have to explain to them, look, you can't be here no more because you know that you are mixed and that violates the law. So even if you think we're cool, you can't hang out with us. I'm sorry, that's the way it has to be. And and I've been confronted and I told the story of many times in 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 prison and in, in podcasts that when I was in prison teaching CI for twelve years, eleven years, I'd, I'd say, that guys would challenge me and say, what if you're mixed? And my first response would, right from the beginning was, what does that matter? What does it matter? If I'm mixed, I don't belong. It's the word of God. That's what matters. What I think or how it affects me doesn't matter. It's the word of God. It can't change. Period. So if I'm mixed, I won't be yeah, in the kingdom can't of heaven. Can't change it. No. Can't change the law. So my personal situation or yours or his or his or his has no bearing on the word of God. The the word of God doesn't change because of your personal situation. Never. And if you think so, then you are just an arrogant bastard. And yeah, you probably are a bastard at that point.
3: Right. right. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Doom. It's just that uh, I wanted to add a few yeah, things because, you know, there's also the question of, for example, someone who's outside the United States, like my case. But you know, I have a family history. I like to think that I'm kind of safer that. But if eventually I find out that I do have a tear of blood in my in myself, I'm going to remove from the community, and I don't want to damage, you know, their reputation. And I can accept my fate if I am a tear
0: personally speaking well you know oh, yeah, what I, I agree we'll probably miss you but no, no, no. I, I don't know how many hundreds and hundreds of people have left this community now they all haven't left because they're all tears but that it, it's it, if you look at the member numbers in, in the Christian forum it's, it's way into the thousands but there's only 70 or 80 active members that's the way it's always been so I'm just used to it. And, and I, there are a lot of people that have left that I miss that I don't have any idea why they left. So did they remove themselves or do they just get tired? do they die? I, I don't know. It's crazy.
7: Some might have felt the pressure of, you know, go back to so-called, you know, norm, the norm <laughs> beliefs. Right judeo-christianity
0: and whatever right that's very possible
4: for a while was too much or something that That is is very possible you can't hang out with all the people who love Jews
7: well and if you're honest with people I mean most people don't want to hear it you know they don't want to hear the truth and well even if they think there might be something to it they don't want to investigate it themselves because they're afraid of the consequences of what they might have to change in their lives. If it is, if they find it to be true, they can't deny it. And other people just you know, so brainwashed that they won't listen to you.
1: There's like a news story years ago where um a white business was denying service to a, a non-white customer or something and they quoted the scriptures like, we don't serve non-white customers because you know they shouldn't be you know it was a ci business and then the media confronted them and they completely um caved because their business was about to be destroyed
7: yeah that's i mean i mean that's what you face but i mean if they i mean that's sad that they caved if you know they were true israelites and you know, Yahweh would have taken care of them in a different way. Yeah, they might have lost that business. I'm sure they
4: still lost their business.
7: Yeah, yeah, I can't remember <laughs> exactly what they, they said. Like you know, if they if they would have held their ground,
6: there's also there's another no point
1: to concede. Yeah, there's no point. Oh, con- ne- yeah, never surrender. There's also a, another news story from um, a lady years ago who, like, um, her daughter started dating like a mongrel, and she ended up shooting her daughter and her and um, did death by cops when the cops came to her house. She suicide, you know, death by cops. So you know, some people <laughs> they they take that profession and they're prepared to die for it because she didn't want her daughters to marry a negro or whatever.
0: I posted that article in the King in, in the um wow what was her name I can't remember her name but I posted it in diversity or deception section of the forum I believe I
3: commented on it I believe it was in back in 2016 I think but I commented on
0: the topic Yeah good for that woman she killed Her two daughters, I I mean, that's a horrible thing, but they were both race-mixing. Christy Sheets, manic or She's a sticky in the diversity or deception section of the forum that this woman should be a a hero. She should be a, a, a Christian identity saint, right? She killed her own two daughters and committed suicide by cop, right? Which is a way of killing yourself. By confronting the police with a gun. Because you know they're going to shoot you to death. And that's exactly what she did. She killed her two daughters. And herself essentially. Because her daughters were race mixing. She had the opportunity. To kill her husband. Who accepted. The race mixing. And she purposely did not kill him. She let that bastard suffer. And live with it. And he deserves to live with it. And he still to this day in the doesn't know why he's living with it. I wish I could meet him so I could explain it to him, because I would. Damn faggot. Letting his two beautiful white daughters run off with freaking Mexican scum. And she said, fuck this, and killed them both, and killed herself. Basically. Good for Christy Sheets. I'm sorry, I didn't expect that rant to be a Conversation killer. Okay. Y'all got to have something to say in response to that. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: Okay. Man, Ma, definitely a martyr.
0: Well, of course, but the world would think she's crazy. So that's, I guess, why it was titled like that. But I didn't title that. The, the woman... That originally made that post. I, I found that on a WordPress blog, and I had examined the case. And Jennifer Myers dot WordPress dot com. This woman Jennifer Myers originally posted that that article, and that's in the. It's just a few paragraphs. That's in the original post of that thread. And WordPress evidently took that down because it's no longer available. So I'm happy that I was able to find it and preserve it because I did. So good for Jennifer Myers for helping us find it. But Christy Sheets, as long as Christy Kenia exists, won't be forgotten. But I'm sure she won't be forgotten by Yahweh because she. this is definitely a white family and the daughters went off into race mixing with these Mexican shitskins and she did the right thing. she really did. She is basically a modern day Gideon, in my opinion. No doubt. I would even say perhaps Rebecca of sorts. Gideon, I, I really meant to say, wow. I'm sorry, I'm getting old. Or I've had more than three beers. Phineas, thank you, Joe. That's what I meant to say. She's a modern-day Phineas, no doubt. Who killed the, a chief of the man of, a, a, a chief prince of the tribe of Simeon who was coupled with a Midianite woman, that's the only way he would run a spear through both of them at the same time is they were having sex on the Florida tent. So, that's what Phineas did, and he was rewarded an eternal priesthood for that. Christy Sheets did just as well as Phineas, in every respect, killing those two girls, her own daughters, and Basically, ending her own life too, she evaded all of the persecution she was going to receive from the state by taking her own life by confronting the cops with a gun. Death by cop, it's called suicide by cop, right? So, she
4: did the right thing. And I, I did like uh Walt's thing where you're saying it's kind of like Rebecca... But this lady had no more options, you know. She didn't have one good daughter or one good son.
0: Right. She she was at the end.
4: Carry on.
0: She was at the end. She may have been Rebecca if she had one more daughter. Right.
4: That's true. (laughs) Uh, All right. And uh, baked Deans has has a question here. Many prophets, major and minor... Speak of returning not just to Yahweh, but to the physical land promised to the fathers, and dwelling there in safety with no more enemies. Is this yet to come after Edom is destroyed? Or was the land promised to the fathers the entire planet? Or wherever our feet are all along? Okay.
0: All... Of the biblical prophets follow come after the time of David am I correct every one of them Jonah is the earliest prophet and in Jonah already the Assyrians are encroaching on the land of Israel so all of the biblical prophets come after the time of David Is that correct? I'm just looking for some acknowledgement. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to scold anybody. But if all of the prophets come after the time of David, my throat is froggy. It was froggy Wednesday too. I think it's the springtime here and, and the amount of pollen and stuff like that we have in the air. <clears throat> 'Cause I was outside for a couple of hours in a rainstorm today. Just outside of my house watching the rain. So anyway, since all of the prophets come after the time of David, then none of the words of the prophets can negate the words of Yahweh through the prophet Samuel, which he spoke to David. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. And that place is not Palestine, because those words are spoken to David by Samuel when he's in Palestine. So, none of the words of the prophets can negate that prophecy, because all the prophets came after that time. Mm -hmm. So, if we could agree with that, we can proceed.
4: Yeah, we're just looking up and yeah, there's Samuel and then the time of King David and then Nathan, prophecies of Gad, it says.
0: All the prophets that are recorded in the Bible
4: (laughs) And then the next one is Jonah. Isaiah.
0: From from the prophet Isaiah to the prophet Malachi, the last prophet, they are all after the time of David. So none of them can negate the words that Samuel spoke to David. Then we go to Deuteronomy chapter... Wow, 32. Nope, I'm screwing up. I know it's in Deuteronomy, I just gotta find it. It's 32-8. I'm sorry, I thought it was 32-7, cause I'm like freaking 61 and senile. I thought it was 32-7, it's Deuteronomy 32-8. Okay. When the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam. When did that happen? That had to happen in, Deuteron- in in Genesis chapter 11. When he separated the sons of Adam. That's Genesis chapter 11. That's when it happened. He set the balance of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. And to me that indicates that the children of Israel would have land outside of the land of That was divided to the Genesis 10 nations in Genesis chapter 11. So the land that the children of Israel were given in Palestine, even if the Canaanites were bastards, they were still children of Adam, and they did not inherit that land as their own it wasn't in addition to the land that Yahweh gave the other children of Adam. So that could not have been the land of Deuteronomy 32 eight. The land of Deuteronomy 32.8 must be the land of 2 Samuel 7.10. That's my opinion. And 2 Samuel 7.10, those words are spoken before any of the prophets. So even if the children of Israel are to inherit the entire world, and even if eventually they will once again possess the land in Palestine, the land from which they will move no more is not in Palestine. That's all I'm trying to say.
3: Oh, so uh, the Adamites always—sorry, uh, the Israelites—they always were promised Europe, in particular.
0: Well, land that the other Genesis 10 nations didn't possess, and Europe, Northern Europe above the Danube River fits that description.
4: As does the U.S. and Australia. That's what I was going to
0: add. <laughs> I was going to add that next, Jeff. You precipitated me, but that's okay. That's fine. That's good. I think that was Sorry. a good answer. Uh,
4: and, so, uh, beans oh yeah, I I got cut off. Did you? I don't know. Let's hear from baked beans. Damn it! Where is he? Ah, uh, no, he. I don't think he's here, but he's in the chat. He's in uh, the type chat. Okay.
0: Yes. He's chicken. In other words, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I like baked beans. His posts are guy. often, often edifying, even for me.
4: Uh but Walthyoff, well, did you have something else you wanted to say?
3: No, actually, I was asking the question, but my internet kind of glitched, and I couldn't hear it. Maybe I'll oh, wait for okay. that. Oh. Well,
4: here, here's Baked Bean's question. The temple spoken of in the latter part of Ezekiel, did it ever exist? Was it supposed to exist? Why is it so detailed in its measurements? How do we interpret it? within CI. Right. And and that's something that I've
0: always had on the back burner. Because I don't believe that temple has ever existed. And I believe that if Ezekiel prophesied it, it does represent something, but I don't know what that thing is yet. But let me say this that the chapters in Ezekiel are very much out of order. And one day, if Yahweh permits me to live long enough, I'll do a commentary on Ezekiel and put the chapters in the correct order first. Now, other people at Christoginia have done that. Vern Vern did it in Pennsylvania. Vern had sent me a list of the chapters of Ezekiel in the correct order. But I would like to read them in that order. If, if you go through the book of Ezekiel and just search like strong concordance in Ezekiel for the word year, that's all you have to do. And if you search strong for the, for the word year, you will automatically see it. It's very easy to see that the chapters are out of order. So. Once those chapters are in the appropriate order, I would like to read the prophecy of Ezekiel once again, and and in that context, study those chapters on the temple. But I don't believe that temple has ever been built. The second temple does not fit that description, so whatever it's talking about may still be in the future, but I just haven't studied that closely enough. I've read it several times, but it needs to be studied in the original languages and much more closely, and I believe it is something that might be in the future, or in the current time. I I can't imagine today in the Christian era, the people of Israel are the temple of God. The body of christendom is the temple of god now so is that temple describing the body of christendom as it is today or as it was in any period of history i have to do a lot more study to determine that and i haven't had the opportunity to do that this is like lifetimes of study i don't know if i'm going to live long enough to to do that i'm not making excuses for myself but yeah, I would challenge anybody that thinks they know what it is to, if they could do better, please, you're welcome to do better. I hope that answers this
4: question. No. <laughs> No, he's not. That's a lot he of feedback. Confirm, cannot confirm.
6: I'm um, sorry, it can't but... be confirmed. It can't be.
0: <laughs>
4: I'm not. Oh, no, that's not what I meant. I meant he can't confirm that it's a good answer. That's <laughs> uh, fine. And, uh, I, I don't think it can be
0: confirmed, Jeff.
4: And, uh, burn has a different question here. Uh, what are prophecies related to Australia? I know, I know you. You already got that one for him. I already have one. I don't more. think there are any.
0: I I don't. It's the children of Israel no, scattered the, uh, abroad,
4: where they would they would go somewhere and they wouldn't move, and that could apply to us. Well, really. well, yeah, right.
0: Because the 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 ultimate objective is for the children of Israel to fill the face of the world with fruit, as it is in Isaiah. That the children of Israel would fill the whole world. Now, the world at that time was smaller, but the world has grown since we've gained the ability to travel and, and the ability to communicate much more rapidly in, from, I mean, across the globe, if I have to call it a globe. So, so could we do that 3,000 years ago? Of course not. But to fill the face of the world with fruit means that the children of Israel would consume the entire world, even if it's the world as it was known at that time, right? So that's the objective of the plan of God is to eliminate all other peoples and have the children of Israel fill the face of the world with fruit. So Australia... Canada, New Zealand, South Africa, all these far away to an American or European exotic places. They're not so exotic. They're just the beginning of the fulfillment of that prophecy, I believe. But are there specific prophecies that speak of them, I can't say that. I'm not sure. I, I seriously doubt it, to be honest. If you, if you look at all of scripture, like most of the books of Kings and Chronicles, right? They're only concerned with the Israelites in the land of Canaan, in Israel and Judah. And we know from history that there were tons of Israelites in other places around there, especially around the Mediterranean Sea in Europe. But all those prophecies, only have to do with the children of Israel in Palestine, Israel and Judah, because it's always the central body of people that's the focus of the word of, of the word of God. That's just the way it is. And there's always all this stuff happening in the periphery that helps establish and, and fulfill prophecies concerning the central body of the people. But there's no details. No details are provided. We know that the the Romans, the Dorian Greeks, the Carthaginians are fulfillments of earlier prophecies in Scripture. But even though they exist before the end of Scripture, right, I mean Malachi is probably like 450 or, or 440 B.C., Rome has already been a city for 300 years by then. Is Rome mentioned in Malachi? No. Is Rome prophesied in Malachi? No. Even though it's an Israelite city that existed 300 years before Malachi. Because that's not the central focus. The central focus of Malachi is Judah. The kingdom of Judea, let's put it that way. So, So, if we believe the word of God in the earlier prophets, we don't have to hear about the Australians in Scripture. We know where they came from. We know what they're fulfilling. We don't have to hear about South Africans in Scripture. We know where they came from. We know what they are fulfilling. So we have that assurance in in the core message. We don't need it in that degree of detail in order to know it's true. That's what I think. I hope that makes sense.
4: And we got David. David, are you there? He just got in. Dasho's been really quiet too. He's talking in the chat to some people, but yeah, he has been. Quiet. I always wondered
3: what Dasho stands for. Dasho or supposed to be a uh, Russian name.
4: I just need something code. made up. Maybe it doesn't code. Yeah, like it's just some <laughs> online pseudonym. It doesn't mean no, anything.
5: Different. I when I made it, I deliberately made it so it didn't need anything mean anything because it was originally the name of my throwaway account that I used to sign up for all the all the stuff that would get me a spammed email account.
3: Oh, it's okay. Uh, I don't mean to ask your real name. No, I'm not doing no, that. No.
5: But, uh, I'm just saying that's the reason why it doesn't make any sense. This was never intended to.
4: No, he's not like Slump Sutherland. Did. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought Dasho would be a
3: name you give to a dog. Like, you know, come here, Dasho. Come here. <laughs> no, it's
4: really, dude. That is a good dog yeah. name. I might name my dog Dasho now. Wow. I'd be very happy
5: <laughs> if you did because dogs are loyal. Uh <laughs> Bill, are you there? Yeah. Is he still here? I, I have a question for you. Um, we were we were talking about since you guys have been talking about prophecy, we had a conversation about prophecy on the rocket chat, and I wanted to I wanted to ask you something since it, since it's a topic. Um, from from my own studies and some things that some other people have said, have supported the idea. I was under the impression that many prophecies were Yahweh vindicating the prophets after the fact which is to say he made an active choice to do certain things that he did either either before or after incarnating as Christ, that he didn't really have to do just to justify those men because he loved them. Uh, I, I think there's, there's a few accounts, and we, we talked about this before, there's a few accounts in the New Testament uh, of, the, of Palm Sunday and the events therein, where some of the apostles recorded it. What, was, it was it Mark who did it? That recorded recorded the, the whole thing with the donkey as being something that, that Christ didn't have to do, but that he chose to do it because a prophet had said he would, and he didn't want to meet, make that prophet wrong, essentially was the context of that um, I was just curious what your opinion on that was and also, there are things in the book of Revelations that not only seem to support that, but to suggest that that's still in play it seems as though any of us could be a prophet if we do the same thing, but for Christ, which is to say, if we vindicate Christ with our words, we can we can effectively become prophets because we are we are backing him up on the things that he said would
0: happen. And okay.
5: There are all Christ, passages and revelations.
0: I'm sorry. Go ahead. It, it's obvious in the in the gospel accounts that Christ consciously chose. To do certain things in order to fulfill the prophets, the words of the prophets. There's no doubt. Right? And, and the entering into Jerusalem on the fall of an ass is certainly one of those things. Okay. But the difference between what he could do and what we could do is that he did those things successfully. Within the context of a greater structure of prophecy that points to him as this Messiah, do you see what I mean it is I think so 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 we have this greater context of prophecy that he couldn't control, such as Isaiah chapter nine unto us or maybe it's chapter seven I don't know the Bible. Under us a child is born and, and his name will be the, the, the everlasting father and all these other, all these other things that all point to him, right? He had no control over his birth if he's a mere man, right? So we have this greater structure of prophecy that A mere man would have no control over that he fulfilled. And then we have these other prophecies in the course of his life that he made a conscious decision to do certain actions in order to fulfill those prophecies. So there were things that were outside of the control of a mere man that he fulfilled. And then there were things that seemed to be within the control of a man that he fulfilled. But he still told those apostles, go down to that corner at, at 33rd and 3rd and there's a, you'll find an ass tied to a pole and you tell the owners of that ass that I need them and he'll let you have them. Now, how the fuck does that happen? That's like me telling you, Dasho, to go down to some corner in in Richmond, Virginia, and you'll find a Cadillac, and you tell the owner of that Cadillac who's going to be standing right there on the corner because he's a nigger hanging out on the corner, drinking out of a bottle, of a paper bag, and it's and and it's some kind of friggin' night train or something and he you tell him that I need that Cadillac and he'll just give it to you. He'll just throw you the key. That's the equivalent. So he even though it seems that he made a conscious decision to drive into, to ride into Jerusalem on the fall of an ass in order to fulfill Zechariah, there are aspects of that that show that he had the prescience that only God could have, that he could send you to some random corner in Richmond to pick up a Cadillac to drive him into the city. Is that wrong? Does that answer the question? Honestly, no.
5: My 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 question is, and and I wanted to mention this. There's there's some things in Revelation that that, that tie into this too, and I I'd, I'd like to bring it up. There are portions of the Book of Revelations in which Yahweh seems to be saying that he he almost seems to be commanding us to prophesy. There are, there are sections, there are passages where he where he is telling the reader, to go out and prophesy, to go out among them to prophesy against Gog and Magog, to prophesy against the beast. And I could be wrong, and I freely admit that, but it almost sounds like God is saying, I'm taking requests. And I'm just wondering if you could... I know it's difficult to interpolate Revelation sometimes, but I was wondering if you could provide some context for that. Why why would... Why would Yahweh command us to go out and prophesy if... He
0: didn't command us... To, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. He didn't command us to go out and prophesy. He commanded his prophets in the Old Testament to go and prophesy. So is it talking
5: about them in Revelations? Is that what that's the mention of? It,
0: in the in Revelation, where does it tell us to go and prophesy?
5: I, I have actually it's only telling John.
0: It's it Revelation chapter ten verse eleven, and he said unto me, "Thou must prophecy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings." And that's a direct statement to John, the Revelator. And we see the the in in Revelation chapter eleven verse three, "I will give power unto my two witnesses." And they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. And, and that's a specific statement about two witnesses. And I promise that I will discuss that further when I do my revelation commentary on chapter 11, which is only a couple of months away. But I would say that that prophecy doesn't necessarily have to be conscious that the two witnesses know they are prophesying. And they aren't necessarily prophesying of future events, but their, their profession is a prophecy because it represents an interpretation of the Word of God that in this case happens to be correct. But aside from that, aside from those two instances, Revelation chapter ten verse eleven and Revelation chapter eleven verse three, there are no commands for any man to prophecy in the revelation
5: okay so so I've essentially misunderstood something that was talking to John specifically
0: well well yes i, I I'm sorry but I believe so. And if okay. I look at the terms, I'm um, I'm I'm making my answer to you by looking at the terms prophecy and prophecy, prophecy with an s, which is a verb, and prophecy with a final c, which is a noun. Right? It's p r o p h e c y is the noun, and p r o p h e S-Y is the verb. And I'm looking them both up and those two instances which I just mentioned in Revelation chapters 10 and 11 are the only occurrences of the verb prophecy that that exists in the Revelation. The noun occurs on more occasions, but it's always referring to something that's already happened. And, and in four occasions, it's the prophecy of this book, meaning the prophecy of Christ. In one occasion, it says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy in Revelation chapter 19. And then in Revelation eleven six, it uses the word prophecy, the days of their prophecy in relation to those two witnesses. Which I could discuss here if you really want to discuss that further. And in Revelation chapter 1 verse 3 Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy. So there's only those two occasions when prophecy is used as a verb. And that's in Revelation chapters 10 and 11. And it's referring once specifically to John and a second time specifically to the two witnesses. And I would assert that the, the prophecy of the two witnesses, when they made that prophecy, was not conscious on their part that they were making a prophecy. Because sometimes just the circumstances of your life could be a, a prophecy to other people. Does that make sense? I, I hope it does. Yes, That's fine.
5: I I just want to make sure that this is making sense. You you don't have to elaborate on the other thing, but I just wanted to to ask cuz I had I had when I when I had read it, my my interpretation of it, my understanding was that that what you're talking about with the two witnesses, I I the impression that that left with me was that when we when we repeat the ministry of Christ when we choose to vindicate Christ with our words that we are prophesying because we're taking part in his ministry are you saying that's not a prophecy that's not well, prophesying? when we, when the do we do two that?
0: witnesses the two witnesses in my interpretation I don't know if you've ever read Christ strike but the two witnesses prophesied by proving through that the, the turmoil of the Middle Ages when they existed they proved that the word of God would stand in, in the course of their witnessing that alone even though those witnesses weren't conscious of the fact that they were prophesying the fact that they proved through history that the word of God would stand through what happened to them and what things they suffered, they proved that the word of God would stand, that in itself is a prophecy. But they were not conscious that they were prophesying. In other words, they weren't one of these modern day clowns that said, "In, in next year the economy is going to fail. And the year after that, China's gonna invade us. Those are false prophets.
5: Right. Okay.
0: And uh,
5: Thank you.
4: I just I that
5: was that was most of my questions answered. Thank you.
4: Now that we're back on that, I wanted to say this earlier, but we gotta we got past it before I actually went and checked this. Uh, when Byrne asked about uh, Acts two uh, sixteen and 17. I wish I had just read, kept on reading because I think it would have helped clear it up more for you guys to answer better. It usually does. Uh, <laughs> so, as, as it was before, it was uh, 16. Rather, this is which wo- was spoken through the prophet Joel, and it shall be in the day's future, says Yahweh, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your youth shall see visions. And your elders shall dream dreams. And then here, 18. And then my manservants and my maidservants in those days will pour out from my spirit. I will pour out from my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I shall make wonders in the heaven above and signs upon the earth below. Blood and fire and a vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming great day and appearance of Yahweh. So does that help with kind of knowing what it's talking about? Like well, well like frame? Joe, was,
0: Joe was, trying, was trying to explain if you go back and you read Joel, the prophet Joel that Peter is quoting that there is an early rain and a later reign. And the early rain was what Paul had called the arabon in Greek, the deposit of the Holy Spirit. And in the later reign, I believe that this is going to come again, but the word prophecy is not meaning that you're going to foretell the future. The word prophecy is going to mean that you understand the word of God and be able to alert your brethren as to what's going on. And that is a frequent use of the word prophecy in the Bible is to be an interpreter of the word of God, to be able to understand the word of God. So, it, it's, Christ already told the future. And I don't think any of us are going to be better than him. Babylon's going to fall and we're going to repay Babylon double and we're going to destroy all of his enemies and then we're going to establish the kingdom of God and the city of God which descends from heaven, which is basically to me that the judgment of men and, and the entrance of the twelve tribes Into a state of permanent communion with God, which is described in Revelation chapter, chapters 21 and 22. So it, it's, I mean, I'm going to do the best I can to explain everything the way that I believe the scripture is telling us what, when this Revelation commentary unfolds, but I can't do it all in one night here. so those prophets aren't necessarily telling the future they're interpreting what Christ has already told us and what the prophets have already told us and there's a lot of unfulfilled prophecy in Malachi, in Obadiah and and in others of the prophets where where it's speaking about in that day or the day of the wrath of Yahweh and I think all of those are summed up in those last four chapters of the Revelation that's my opinion
1: if you believe in Christ, that would make you a true prophet in a sense because you're revealing the truth of scriptures and you're professing that it's true. So in that sense, you would be a prophet just by being a believer in the CI message.
0: Well, well, you know, sometimes the word prophet is used in that sense in the New Testament.
1: Because a prophet can be someone who reveals the truth of the word of God. So if you're revealing the truth of the word of God.
0: And that's what I call an interpreter of the word of God, right? The, the, one of the three shades of meaning of the word prophet. And, and we have in Revelation chapter 11 verse 18, the reference to thy servants, the prophets and to the saints and saints and prophets in revelation 166 and a lot of times it's speaking of like contemporary times to certain prophecies that it's not talking about the old testament prophets but about the children of god as prophets so yes in in that sense i agree with that
1: And wasn't Joshua the high priest a prophet in the sense that, um, his life was a type for Christ and he's building the temple and he's opposed by all the, the Mongols that have moved into the land while they were just, dis- while they were in captivity. So his yes, life absolutely. Is like a prophecy.
0: Absolutely. That's why I call Zechariah the prophet of the revelation. And I'm going to hopefully elaborate on that in, in, when I get towards Revelation chapter 12.
1: Yeah, good. Yeah, I look forward to it. This isn't static.
0: I'm hearing it too. I don't see who's coming from.
7: Yeah, I don't, I don't either, but I hear it. Well,
0: that There should be like little blue lights next to somebody's. Like you were saying, Brian,
7: about, about that being more of an interpreter. What's that? It's
1: you, there. Mute yourself.
7: There. Oh, I still here.
3: The search for the mute.
4: Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Bill, unmute. I'm sorry. I thought I'm it was you, because you're the only one that has... I'm muted, but showing. I still hear the static. You're muted still, Bill. I'm muted, but away. I still... Bill, I hear it. stop. Yeah.
0: Wow. I'm retarded. There you go. There you are. I, when I was muted, I was saying, I'm muted, but I still hear the static. I still heard the static when I was muted. I was being retarded, right? Like a total yeah.
7: disconnect. Yeah,
3: Patris said it's a uh, sojourner.
7: I still hear it when I'm muted too. I
4: but, forget out which one. It's top it, right.
7: There you go. Who
1: oh, was it?
4: Top right. <laughs> nah, we are just joking. Uh- <laughs>
7: But that was, I, that was interesting. I, I agree with what you were saying, Bill, about being more of an interpreter than a prophet. Like, I don't know, that's always bothered me, I guess, even before CI, when people would call themselves a prophet, to, you know, in today's day and age. It just, I don't know, Is I mean, frankly, it seems pompous, but I mean, but who am I to decide who is a prophet? and who isn't well, though? Well, well, I'll tell you how you decide
0: who's a prophet and who isn't. It is one false prophecy that right, that person right. makes. He's got to be thrown in the friggin' river. He, he's got to be done away with. He's got to be eliminated. He has to be pushed out of
1: the community. Right. Cause he's a liar another way to tell is if someone says let us depart from Yahweh and his law and let us follow our own laws and then you know he's a false prophet right
0: absolutely
1: right if someone comes up with some silly doctrine that leads away from Yahweh and his law that person is a false prophet in my eyes how I use the word
0: well it should be any departure from the law at all Anybody who imagines that Yahweh God would depart from the law, like oh Ruth wasn't an Israelite, she was a racial Moabite. Anybody who imagines that God would depart from His law should be ejected because they're hypocrites. They're trying yeah. to project their own hypocrisy onto God.
7: Yeah, and I guess and I was
1: so, it- yeah. When I called those people false prophets, I wasn't just being mean. I actually meant it like technically, you are a false prophet, you know right it's I not slander just to hurt their feelings
0: right exactly it's not slander you're just stating a technical fact because God is not going to violate his own law period. We can't imagine that when Christ said he came to uphold the law that he would violate the law. What the fuck? Do we if we're Christians, we have to accept the man's words for what he said. Otherwise, how could we be Christians?
1: Yeah, and the thing is, Bill, like um Christ died to uphold the law. If the law could just be done away with on a whim, then Christ would definitely be the one able to do it. He could have just said, you know what, my law doesn't matter anymore and I don't want to die, so you're all free from right. the law and you know, just do whatever. But he didn't do that. He died for his law, and um, he didn't. He did not. You know, undo the law at all. He said so he wasn't going to do that too.
0: Let's just party because I don't have to uphold the law. I don't really have to die tonight. Let's just stay here in the Garden of Gethsemane and get drunk on wine, and and we'll get the Pharisees some wine and get them drunk with us.
1: What the we fuck can all be friends? And, and oh,
0: Peter man. doesn't and, have to be you... a Satan. I'm sorry yeah. for
1: calling Peter a Satan. I repent. Peter
0: Jesus drinking from a bottle of wine, singing, "Why can't we be friends? <laughs> Get the hell out of here!" <laughs> can you
3: imagine? Can you imagine Judas Iscariot arriving, saying, "Master, you're finally free from the law." Yeah, this is your true.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. I, I mean, there's no end once you believe that god is corrupt in that manner and that his word doesn't really mean anything then you're down a slippery slope to hell and there's no end to it it you're going down it there's no preventing it screw that that's terrible well, that, it's that's it's just like
3: joe said sorry go ahead no, it's no, just because, like Joe said, of, you know, Christ repenting from his racism against the Canaanite woman. I know, I think this could be an interesting point to explore. I mean, to whoever wants to hear about it.
1: Yeah, you know where I saw that. There, was, Someone posted, like, a Judeo channel that was critical of this fag pastor. And the fag pastor was saying... Um, Jesus, when he confronted the Canaanite woman, repented of his racism. So the the fag pastor was honest in the sense that he accepted it was about race, but then he said that that Jesus repented of his racism. So who's worse, the Judeo-Christian who denies it's about race or the fag pastor who actually admits, yeah, okay, it is about race, but Jesus repented of his racism. I don't know which one's worse, probably the fag, but whatever.
0: I think they should all be shot because God already has them sorted out.
1: We, we don't need to do acts of terrorism there. We're going to win in the end no matter <laughs> what. <so. laughs> just got to put
3: the I'm display there. No, you guys don't understand. Here's the thing. He called her a doggy. Like, you know, oh, this is a pet. Pet, pet.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I've heard that one. yeah, too. Like, oh, he wasn't calling her a dog. It was, It was, you know, affectionate. She was a doggy.
0: Right. <laughs> Is that another Nathan Tom invention?
1: Yeah, I think I heard it there. Wow. He was, she wasn't a dog, she was a because it uses a diminutive form I don't know if I said that right, diminutive form in Greek. So it's a doggy, not a dog. So therefore she wasn't being called an actual dog. She's just a doggy, you know, like, like your little pet doggy. <laughs> yeah that's
0: just like um, Eli James being back there in Palestine whispering over Joshua's shoulder that Yahweh didn't mean to kill all the Canaanites if they're less than 15% they're okay alright that was my joke 10 years ago
3: Yeah, the Canaanites are welcome as long as they, they sing the hymn and they honor the Lion of Judah. And they're patriotic, of course.
1: What else do we have tonight? What else should we talk about? Any other people you want to bash on and hurt the feelings of? That's all <laughs> you guys do. You know, you should just be like a machine just pumping it out. That's all you guys do whenever I talk to you is. Yeah,
4: for. If the you want machine. that, then uh, give me give me your first thoughts when you hear C.I. Mm. C. Mormon or C.I. Catholic.
1: I'm the hate machine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, when I think of a C.I. Mormon or C.I. Catholic, what I think is that they don't get C.I. C.I. at its foundation because what they're trying to do is marry. Um, Catholic doctrines that only work because Catholicism is universalist and put that together with CI, which is based on covenant theology, it doesn't work. You can't make them work together because the only reason it works for the Catholics is because they're universalist and they don't, and they believe the marriage was metaphorical and that the law was for everyone. So it only works for them because they're universalist. You can't then bring that doctrine into CI and pretend you're a Catholic CI. It doesn't work and you just make yourself look dumb, and you make yourself look like a noob, and I tell you that, you know, I told them that, you know, some of these Catholic CI, but, um, they haven't thought about it enough yet, I
4: guess. I don't know, because they're noobs. Well, it <laughs> that's good. I like it. Um, but no, um... I'll give you an, an example that's even point. worse. You know, you thought it was bad with the CI Light guys, like CFT or just the Judeos, you know, but when you get the mix, the mash, it's all wild. It's so crazy cuz it's even worse than reading the Church Fathers. It doesn't yeah, make it any sense.
1: It doesn't make sense. It's like when you try and marry like personal salvation to CI and it's like yeah CI is actually about a promise made to this group of people this nation where where covenant theology that's what we believe and then someone comes along and tries to squeeze personal salvation with national salvation and it just turns into a big joke or when someone claims that Trinity can be part of CI, and it's like, well, we believe in the remarriage of God to His wife. He doesn't have multiple wives, and there's not multiple husbands. You can't have a Trinity with CI; it doesn't work. And you're just making yourself look like a dumb ass by trying to put the Trinity in CI.
4: And it makes it doesn't work with Catholic theology. Bad. Unfortunately, because then they say they're CI and then everyone thinks, oh, you know, CI so. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because you're a dumbass, that's why. You're a
1: dumbass <laughs> and you haven't told okay. I should say that. I should say they're just being silly.
4: Well, the, some people are just you. like, they are not trying to even listen to anything you say
1: not trying to be like logical and objective they're just trying to be feeling they're just like we say they're feelings based they don't they care count. that
4: paul said that first was created the flesh and then the spirit the mormons still believe that the spirits were in heaven before they were made humans so do wesley swears
1: it's like it always comes down to that like they're not objective.
4: It doesn't matter what the scripture actually says when you show it to them. Oh. Wesley Swift believed the same though. thing. You know, maybe that's wrong. It's but you know, the rest that's... of it's still right.
1: My feelings. I want to believe. It's like, well, you may as well believe in aliens. You may as well put one of those posters up on your wall saying, I want to believe with the, with the picture of the UFO. I just want to believe, man. It's well, like, well, but it's not true, you idiot. It's not we true. Already
4: we already had that true. problem. <laughs> Zach, we already had that problem with, uh what's his name? You, Swift.
0: Wesley oh, yeah. Swift also believed that our, all of our spirits existed in heaven before you were put here on earth and he also believed that if you didn't do the things you were supposed to do here on earth in your first life that you would be sent back here you would be reincarnated
1: wow that I didn't know that one he was what horrible about the UFOs.
0: he was horrible he had the Mormon belief of the pre-existence of the spirit but he also had the reincarnation belief that you were going to keep coming back until you did what you were somehow supposed to do it's crazy. Swift believed all that. He was a syncretist. He was a syncretist, meaning that he tried to make all variations of Christianity valid by combining them all. He was
4: horrible. It's it's just like these perennialists who use all of the... They go even further, of course, where it's just any white culture just mash it all together it all is something somewhere maybe there's just one piece
0: yeah amare or however you pronounce it in the chat said that swift must have watched too much sci-fi and the same with wickstrom cuz wickstrom did he followed swift a lot and all that bullshit he really did
4: was was he one of the nazis on um, in in antarctica Yeah, he was on the Nazis
0: in the South Pole, he was on the Hollow Earth, he was on all that crap. And it's all garbage.
1: (laughs) Hollow Earth.
0: Yeah, the Hollow Earth is... Don't
1: make me do that one. I don't want to to go into Hollow Earth. That's why my Flat
0: Earth program depicts the Earth as a bagel. Because if you take the Flat Earth and the Hollow Earth and put them together, you can only end up with a bagel and it's all fucking Jewish.
6: I think that's that um, "syncretist" is a made-up word. I think you made that up.
0: <laughs> What's up, David? Where the hell have you been? Seriously. Uh, I'm around, you know. Here. Mel- Melissa made this for me. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. A coaster. Nice. I think that's cool as hell. She made me this one, too, so I, I, I don't know which one to use.
4: I looked it up, David. That's a word.
6: I don't believe you. I know word. it's a word. Secretist is a word.
1: Loser.
4: The first
1: thing but David like, asked is becoming one of these C.I. like guys. I reckon.
0: Yeah, I You're think the first. This, modern syncretists, because there were probably syncretists in the Old Testament period. There were probably some clowns back there in Samaria trying to syncretize the Word of God with the Baal religion or something. But the first modern syncretist was Philo, or or Philo as he's called. Philo Judaius, Philo of Judea, who was an Alexandrian. To me, he was probably... A father or a significant proto-gnostic because a lot of his beliefs ended up in Gnosticism and he tried to syncretize Greek paganism and the religion of the Old Testament. He tried to syncretize them meaning that he tried to explain how they both are really the same religion and, mm-hmm. and, and synchronize them, as we would say. So they're called syncretists. And Swift was a terrible syncretist. Does that make sense, I hope?
4: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't make sense that he was doing that, but uh, that makes sense.
0: Right, I'm just hoping my explanation makes sense, otherwise I might have to rethink it and elaborate, but...
1: And I checked, and the verb form apparently is a word too, so you can say syncretize.
0: I know I can say it. I don't just make up
6: words and pull them out of my butt.
0: <laughs> Come on. David. Yeah, I got, I
6: got this, but yeah that Milo guy, right, all right, he was probably one of the most influential people, influential men that are unknown of, like basically, um, know, nobody knows who the hell he was, but he's extremely influential. Right. And, and Neoplatonism is something that is um, also so prevalent. You know, I've spoken to Orthodox Christians. They don't even know what the hell Neoplatonism is. Right. Um, For the most part, they don't understand that that even exists and that they believe in it. I understand that.
0: And I believe that Philo was the, basically the proto-Gnostic that his beliefs evolved into Gnosticism and Middle or Neo-Platonism. Yes, that all came from Philo. That's been my opinion also, for 15 years.
6: Yeah, I was going to say, Josephus is very, um, it seems to me, not that I'm an expert, but he's um, relatively unheard of uh, among ancient historians or people who are consider themselves historians and study ancient history. He doesn't seem to be someone who anybody gives a shit about. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, you tell me what you think, though.
0: I, I would agree with that because you know what? In the context of the wider Roman world, who gives a fuck about Judea and especially Judea up to 70 AD because so, Josephus really stopped around 70 AD. He didn't record anything of the later wars, the Kidos War, the Bar Kokhba Rebellion, he didn't live that long. So he didn't live that long, right? So he was obscure because of the narrow subject and because the wider Roman and Greek world never understood the significance of the history of Judah and Israel in the founding of western civilization they never understood it they weren't supposed to understand it they were never supposed to understand it the blindness of israel and so the wider world is a
1: punishment from god
0: right so the wider world only cared about history within their own context the roman context or the greek context period so Josephus was arguing with Appian, but maybe he should have been arguing with Livy or some other later historians Suetonius, no he's in his that that first century time frame when some of those significant historians didn't yet exist but he's after the time of Livy so he's arguing with Appian and Appian is somebody that ended up being obscure. why would tacitus who who trumpeted the glory of rome care about josephus because judea was only like a footnote in the histories of tacitus it gained one chapter in in the in the annals of rome one chapter and it was a short one so Josephus was obscure in the ancient world. I understand that. I understand that, but I understand that according to the prophets, if the prophecies were to be fulfilled, Josephus was supposed to be obscure.
4: Well, we got Doom back here. What's up, Doom?
7: Yeah, sorry, the dog had to go outside and go let her (laughs)
0: out. Yeah, I feel bad because I didn't give Otto any attention tonight. I was supposed to make it back downstairs after my shower, and I didn't have time. (laughs) So here I am. But he'll live. I got half a strip steak. I got half a strip steak in, in, in the refrigerator for him from last night, that I couldn't finish, I just wasn't hungry, so when Otto gets that, all of his being ignored today will be forgotten.
7: Yeah. Bill, you got bad weather down there?
0: Yes, all
1: day.
7: Yeah, that's what I I heard.
1: Hey Bill, so if you're on a Sabbath day, and on a Sabbath day you probably want to remain clean in a way, would you play with your dogs on a Sabbath day? And side question would be, are dogs, because un- they're unclean under the law, like if you're playing with your dogs, I don't know, does that make you unclean or something?
0: I'm not a Muslim. Dogs are unclean to eat.
4: Yeah. Can you not? Yeah, I know we're not I was
1: worried you would think that, but it's just a question because I thought, are they. You say they're only unclean to eat then and it's only unclean to touch them when they're dead. But it's not unclean to have like a dog as a pet, and you're like playing with them on the Sabbath and he's your friend. Job
0: had dogs. What? Job had dogs. Job had dogs.
1: I am going to have to look that up.
0: Like a sheep dog? Job chapter 30 verse 1
1: there you go but now
0: they that are younger than I have me in derision whose fathers I would not have I would have disdained to have set with the dogs of my flock Job had dogs
1: is that you know we you know how some animal names are confused in a box I'm gonna I'm gonna be like is that really a dog and then I'll be like yes I'm getting a dog
0: I had three dogs There's nothing wrong with my dogs. I'm not trying to eat them.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to eat them. (laughs) I'm not saying you're going (laughs) to eat them like a chick or no way. Well, I mean they're unclean to eat. Why are unclean.
0: They're unclean to eat, but that don't mean you can't have one. They have a purpose.
1: No, oh, it's good, and yeah, it is good we make the distinction with like what the Arabs do, because I hate the Arabs, and I I always thought, you know what, I'm going to get a big dog, because I'm sick of all these bloody Arabs around, and make him hate Arabs, so.
0: Even Christ petted a dog. I'm using that as, a, as an allegory for healing the yeah. dog, canine woman,
6: right? Right. You know what, Joe, I think that you have very um you have a lot of great questions in your mind, but you 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 rarely actually ask them. You ask a lot of goofy ones. I don't know.
0: <laughs> like,
6: like I think it's just like something like you just kind of do like as a joke. I don't I can't tell. Look, Joe. That was Matthew 15:27. I
1: don't know about you, man. Was...
6: Joe. <laughs> Joe. All
0: right, I'm kidding. Matthew 15:27. And she said, truth, Lord, this is King James, right? Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Right there, that shows that people had normally had pet dogs in their house. that were underneath the master's table for the dog to get the crumbs. Okay,
1: good, well... That's good because I wouldn't mind a big dog or a Doberman or something.
0: Well, okay, I I won't have a big dog in my house because I don't want a dog big enough to come up and eat off my table, right? Fuck that. I'll, I'll beat his ass to the floor. But Otto, my big dog, is an outside dog, and that dog is great. And nothing happens outside my house without me knowing about it. Because Otto's barking like a son of a bitch. And that tells me that something's wrong outside my house. And I go out on a deck and I look. Or I go downstairs and I walk around. So Otto's great. But I have two little dogs in the house. Which are miniature dachshunds. They're about 12 pounds. That They're really Melissa's dogs. But they are also very good dogs in a lot of ways. And they're good companions. And my wife loves them and, and is entertained by them. So, so to me that's wholesome to have dogs that have different purposes around your house is wholesome. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to sleep with them or eat them or do anything else that's unclean by the law, but these fucking Jews and Muslims because that they take everything to the extreme as a pretense of righteousness. They only live by pretenses of righteousness. They don't live by real righteousness. It's clear to me in, in Scripture that people had dogs as flock dogs as Job had. He had the dogs of his flock, so they were sheep dogs. and And dogs have always had that function. They were trained to guard a flock of sheep or dogs under their tables that could get crumbs. That was just a normal societal construct of the time that the Canaanite woman was referencing. She ain't good for doing it. She was just speaking in the terms of a normal societal
6: construct of that time. That's all. And it's harmless. And also... If you don't mind me saying so, um, I, I believe that the other races, like these goats, they think um, like autists. And and what I'm about to say is not a slight on white people who are autistic. However, they do have a, a a problem, all autistic people, thinking in the abstract. And so they can't really grasp um, the difference between literal meaning and uh, something that is non-literal, having, having a deeper meaning. And that right. is something that is a trait of, of goats. They, they have that problem. And it's unfortunate that white autistic people have that too, but that's just a fact of life, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I agree that there, there are some people who take, some uh, intellectually disadvantaged people that insist on taking everything literally and can't see it at a greater depth of meaning. I agree with that.
6: They have trouble with metaphors and allegories and so forth. Um, yeah. And that's part of, I think, the reason why they can't hear. When Christ says you can't hear, my sheep can hear. Right. That's fine.
1: What? Mm. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's bringing in, like, some sort of psychological construct into CI, though.
6: Well, I think it's a uh, physical trait because um, the frontal lobe of our brains, as white people, are more uh, advanced and they're, they're, they're larger. And that's where we think abstractly. And anyone who is mixed, or the more mixed they are, the less of a frontal lobe they'll have. Okay. So they cannot think in that way. I have Although a more clear White example. people have that same problem, and I don't know if they have that problem in their brain or not. However, that's that's the physical trait from The racial perspective as to why they, they are that way. I don't, uh, I don't know what,
1: what you're talking <sighs> about, um, in that because I know that there are white people with a certain personality who are classified as autist. And I mean, there was a girl's YouTube channel I was watching the other day, and her channel's about how she's how she has Asperger's, right? And that's her whole channel, and she's just a normal white girl, but she's a bit, um. I don't. She just got some sort of personality. She's just a very vibrant personality. I don't even know what it, the issue actually is. So when these Jews tell you someone's got a spur, some sort of mental disorder and, and another person's got a mental problem, these people might just be very um conservative in socially. And then you start, You're telling me that they're an artist and they're probably mixed. And I'm looking at them. No, she's no. Definitely white.
6: That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that. What David's saying
0: is that bastards can't understand allegories, and and I have a better ex, uh, I have a better example.
1: He said bastards and bastards and autistic people. Yeah, but right. what I'm saying is that some people have been classified with mental illnesses by the Jewish science when really right. it's just a personality thing. It's like this person might be very um, and interested and like focused that. on, say. Mechanics, work, right? So they're they're very interested in mechanics and their whole life sort of revolves around being a mechanic. I I think I really... I
0: I might be wrong, but I think David mentioned autistic people as a way to excuse white people that don't get it. But I ignored that part of, of his explanation as being subjective. The truth is that bastards, Arabs, really don't understand certain allegories, and I have a and a, a better example, and, and that's in Exodus chapter 23, verse 19, where it says that thou shalt not seethe a kid in his mother's milk. And the Jews read that, and they won't eat a fucking cheeseburger. They won't put milk and meat on the same table Because, that's their interpretation of that commandment, thou shalt not seethe a kid in its mother's milk. But to me, that means do not slaughter and eat an animal that is not yet weaned. A calf that is not yet weaned is still in its mother's milk. So, that's that's
1: how like a sacrifice is made with milk and meat. So we know that that's their interpretation is false.
0: Right. Yeah, and hold and on, what, that what, what, tells me not to eat veal or, or any other young unweaned animal, but to the Jews, they won't eat a cheeseburger. They won't put mayonnaise on a roast beef sandwich. You go to a Jew deli in New York. And if you ask for mayo on a sandwich, they won't
6: give it to you at a Jewish deli. I know that okay, from Joe, experience. Joe, Joe, please, let me just tell you something. So first of all, I didn't uh, mean to say that uh, people are not misdiagnosed by bullshit um, uh, science and uh, the medical community these days. Of course they are. okay. But what I'm saying is that, like Bill said, they don't tend to be able to, and there's a physical reason for that, okay. and it's part of the frontal lobe where ours is up to an ounce or more larger and that allows us to do things such as, um, invent and be artistic among other things. But also I'd like to say that I used, to, I read the uh, Quran. I, be- I began reading the Quran. I'd say about eight or nine years ago, and I only read perhaps 20% of it. And right away I could tell that there is nothing in it that has, there, there are no allegories or metaphors or anything like that. There's, there's nothing. Everything is very straightforward. It is what it is. It's literal. All of it, all of its rules the entire thing from that point that I read and I I doubt that it changed after that 20% I really do so it works for them in that way because they cannot uh, comprehend something that's a little deeper the way we can it has to be written like that for them and it was written for that yeah. yeah yeah.
1: yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough, yeah, I hear you, that, yeah, it has to be written like that for them, definitely. It, I just thought you had related it to my question about dogs, and now you're saying, oh, Joe is taking it too, I thought you were relating it to my question about no. dogs being unclean, I'm like, what, get it real, David. <laughs> you know, I thought, yeah, well, that's fine, yeah, I do agree with that, though, that you have to, if you, if t- the Jews really have to spoon feed it to these niggers to get them to do what they won't, and even then it, they're unpredictable. You can't make a nigger into a Christian. They're never going to understand the parables
4: of Christ. I, I think that also just helps uh, prove more of why Christ is saying parables, like he explained, uh, and then why he's going and telling his apostles
1: you know as far as what these things really mean but like as far as I'm concerned if someone doesn't get that many of the parables of Christ are racial you know they've got some sort of issue because he's not talking about agriculture so that's that (laughs) sort of speaks to what David's saying and there's a lot of people here I'm I'm not here in CI light who don't get that it's not actually about fruit it's not actually about, you know, different species of wheat and tech. it's actually a racial parable and they don't get it. And say so that's David's quite right in that respect. You have to wonder about these people. Like, why are they as dumb as niggers?
6: <laughs> in fact, I don't I don't even know if they understand what the word parable really means. Like I don't I don't know if they really grasp that. I, I can't tell. Because if you could grasp what parable means, then you might be able to understand it. Or maybe not. I, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't, sorry, sorry I
1: misunderstood sure. what you said. I, I didn't mean to misunderstand you there, either, David. I... Yeah, no problem. That is so true. Like, oh, the, you know, what are they? What is he actually talking about then? Why would he even talk about agriculture? Like, it, what would be the point? What is the What is the point? Or and you know, or bad feelings? Is he talking about feelings? Like, oh, plants or ideas? Tears. Yeah, they're just. They just felt like tears and then the next day they identified as weak because they, they can just identify as an Israelite when they're a Moabite. They can they can just change their identity on a whim. You know, it's all about feelings. It's not about yeah, you race. Know else, How dare you assert it's about race.
6: So let's say you're, you're learning a new language, right? And it's a second language to you or third, but usually it's second to someone. I'm going to learn French, let's say, or Spanish or whatever. Well, I'm not going to really grasp and understand what I'm reading unless I learn the finer points, which is like the idioms and expressions and the parables. I mean, if I, I mean, I can, I could have a conversation. I might be able to do a business meeting, but I'm not going to be uh, thoroughly fluent in it unless I can understand, grasp those idioms. Right. And that's the thing about, I think that there's a correlation between that and the way that people read the Bible. So for us, even though it was written in different language and it's been interpreted or translated rather, in many different languages, we still grasp it because it's still inherent to our ancestry. Whereas they cannot. So it doesn't matter if it's Greek or Latin or French or, or German or whatever. The Bible is still going to have pieces of it in it that we're going to be able to grasp these parables and metaphors and, and uh and allegories and so forth. But the other the other races really can't because I don't think that they've ever probably ever had even before Islam was invented, whatever they're they're worshiping the moon and the sun and all those weird cults. They probably still had literal teachings, right? Everything was probably very literal. And again, that goes back to when you study race. Like for me, when I studied race and differences in race, it comes to their brain is different than ours. And it's the frontal lobe of their brain is just not large enough. It doesn't have the areas that we have. And they have less folds in the front of their brain, which allows them to grasp what's being said. They're always thinking literally. And I think that it leads to a lot of conflict. Like when you talk to them, they, they, you know, it could be, you know, like the, the slightest thing and they they freak out because they're not getting what you're saying, right? You know, it could be like some uh, dispute over like the price of something or whatever and they, they seem to lose it because <laughs> they misunderstand what you're saying. And it isn't necessarily that they don't understand English because they may have grown up here, right? And English is in a way their first language. They speak it perfectly, but they still do not grasp that, what you're really saying. They cannot. They don't have that in their, in their mind that's what i've experienced anyway growing up in a very multicultural multiracial area
1: i i didn't grow up in a multicultural area but um <laughs> in the jewish talmud it's clear that they're not able to make sense of any of the bible and they're you know they're trying to interpret it with numbers and they're just coming up with all this garbage because the kite mind is just demented and retarded and Genetically inferior, but I also think it could be related to the spirit, not just the brain necessarily. So you might say it's the brain, I might think, well, it could be the spirit that's within these, or lack thereof, lack of a spirit within these mongrels. You know that they can't comprehend because they lack the spirit.
6: Yeah, and I would counter that the spirit only inhabits bodies that can <laughs> can, can uh, comprehend that, right? So we're, we're agreeing, it's just that the way I'm describing it is different from the way you're describing it, right? So I'm saying an Adamic spirit will, will inhabit a body that's co- uh, capable of, uh, of comprehending such things, because it's an Adamic body.
1: So true that they don't get metaphors, and also there's a lot of um, YouTube channels that are dedicated to saying something quite benign to a nigger and then the nigger flips out because he interprets it literally and then they'll just say it's just a prank bro it's just a prank and the nigger's like trying to kill the dude they are they only ever approach um non-whites with these kinds of pranks on youtube i noticed i don't know if you guys have seen them these prank channels
0: No, I don't pay too much attention to niggers on YouTube.
6: I'm sorry.
1: No, it's not like that. It's like sometimes I click, I get clickbaited. Bill.
6: Yeah, sorry. I, I, I keep getting booted yeah. off and have to log back in. But the last thing I heard you talk about was those, was those YouTube videos. But I completely agree. I've I've had those experiences. Like they they just freak out over the smallest thing, and you have to be on your toes because if you're not on your toes at any given point, they might want to like you know cut your throat because there's a massive misunderstanding and they grew up, up here like this. They only speak English. They don't speak fucking Ghanese. Or I don't know if that's a real language, but, some but, they're still language but they still don't get it. They cannot get it, you know, but they're still niggers. Yeah, I guess. Wow.
1: Yeah. Even in their even in their original languages, I think people have analyzed their languages and they're very plain and very, there's not a lot of complexity to their language and, even describing things you know like a coconut up a tree you know it's all very simple that's all their language is used for they, they have no temporal senses in their languages because they never think about the past and to think temporal temporar, temporarily is to think abstractly so what you're saying david like that's that's evidence of what you're saying because if they can't think in the, and they have no temporal senses in their language. They have no abstract senses in their language. So they only have very simple, you know, me eat dog. Where is dog?
6: Right. And it's difficult me for them American- to find dog. Yeah. And that's why our language is dumbed down and that's promoted. It's promoted in our schools, it's promoted in media. We're always promoted to speak like um, basically in a dumbed down version of language, right? And, and even like George Orwell, for example, in 1984, the whole new speak concept was that. Things would be considered like a positive thing would be good, and then double good, and then double plus good, and then the uh, the lesser amount of words that you can use to describe something that's good or bad, then the better it is for the authorities to control you, right? So it's it's, it's we um, all it's a,
0: have to function at the level of the least common denominator. I that's it. how. I don't
1: know. I-
0: That's how no child is left behind, that we all function at the level of total fucking dummy because we have to all understand one another. And when you introduce all of these baboons into our society and we have to understand the baboon,
6: we have to function at the level of baboon. That's what they want. Right, because otherwise you fall behind, believe it or not you will actually fall behind in this society which we're now seeing because we can't understand the, the the way that they think and speak and they are now in the higher class than us, right? We're in the lowest class. We're the tail. They're the right. head. So if if we do not learn how, what they're actually saying and the only way we can, then we, we can't really um, communicate effectively, let's say in the business world or whatever. But if we, and know, the more that we try to, then the more we become like that, which is it's unfortunate. Like-
1: Nothing that's happening in the world today makes sense to us as white men, and I think I've even heard universities say that logic and reason is a white man and white supremacist construct. So then you know that the, you know the things that are happening in the world today, it 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 doesn't affect a nigger at all because it doesn't have any um abstract thinking. It it doesn't care. But to us, we're like, what is going on in the world? Nothing makes sense anymore, and it's all falling apart. But to them, they're fine. And it's yeah, and, just
6: and, out. yeah, sorry. I was going to say, and also it frustrates us because we feel like our inner expression is, is, um, being repressed and it is. And so let's say if you're a young man, 17, 18, you can't really express yourself properly because by doing that, there is no gain. There won't be any gain in the, um, uh, in the in, in the world of academia, there won't be any gain in the business world, and so forth. You have to repress that, and that's frustrating. I that's how that's what I think. And then after to, a, a period I of decide. time, by the time you're let's say thirty, and you haven't really ever expressed yourself in those perhaps or your most creative years at thirty-five, and then it kind of goes away. Like I, I, you you kind of put it underneath the couch, right? Because you just like screw it, and you start losing that ability anyway to express yourself because you had it but at that time when you had it you weren't able to use it effectively in any any given way so it, it it causes problems for young men mentally spiritually they they feel like they're they're useless but they know that they're superior in terms of the way they could use it but they're not able to or there is no benefit to doing so sorry that may be a little bit off base i don't know
1: Well, a lot of scientists debase themselves to go along with a bullshit, nonsensical narrative. And we all know based on logic and reason that COVID isn't true, that there's no, there's no mass deaths in the street. It's all a bunch of nonsense. Yet you have these people in academia pretending it's a real thing. They debase themselves from what that, you know, from the way of the white man, which is logical reason, fairness, justice. They debase themselves and bow down to this world religion now. And that, and, um, So they do do that, and they kill themselves inside. They have to put, you know, make some sort of sacrifice, David, to bow.
6: Yeah.
0: Gentlemen, let's cut this off in about the next five
4: or ten minutes. Yeah, I want to get a beans question in before you go to bed near Bill. Okay, to yeah. tell
1: it right when you cut it. You off know what? So when say, I oh, end this did.
0: podcast, it's going to be like an hour before I go to bed because I got to process the audio, I got to get it and process All it right. and upload well, it and fix it
4: up at Audacity. Here's Big Beans' question. What are the strongest most immediate proofs that the book of Esther is a phony? Lots of white nationalists like to conflate it with the seven feasts from Leviticus 23 in order to say all holidays associated with Israelites, valid or not, are simply about murder. Huh? Leviticus 7.23? Uh, He said that lots of white nationalists like to conflate the book of Esther with the seven feasts of Leviticus 23. Chapter 23. Yeah. But the book of Esther isn't in this feast of
0: Leviticus, chapter 23.
4: I've never read Esther, but is there like some sort of murder feast or ritual? No.
0: Not that I've ever seen. No. I'm looking at Leviticus, chapter 23. Where is no, Esther?
4: Not Leviticus, but in Esther. Esther what? Esther.
0: Esther is a historical anomaly so, it never occurred it's a freaking not, fantasy I'm novel sure.
7: I'm not sure if those questions are directly related or not I think his main question was what are the main the main points Strongest, that, most, that Esther is a, a phony that it yeah. should be in the bible
0: well, well first what Persian king did it happen under because it couldn't have happened under any of them. That would be first. The events in Esther could have happened, and, and I proved this when I did my podcast on Esther, what, that as the chronology in Esther is, from event to event to event, what Persian king did these events happen under, because it didn't happen under any of them. And we know very well, actually, that the histories of all the various Persian kings from Cyrus the Great down to the time of Alexander the Great and the end of the Persian Empire. So what Persian king did they happen under where you could establish that all those events happened as the chronology is given in in Esther, it's not possible. They didn't happen under any of them. That that's first, in my opinion. I mean, I I have a three part I think podcast series on on the Book of Esther being like a phony book, but I I would recommend you to there. But that's the first thing is that there's no Persian king under which those events could have happened as they are described in the Book of Esther. so that's my answer there's other answers why isn't Esther ever cited in the New Testament or any other Christian writings it's not not until the Middle Ages it wasn't even accepted by the early Eastern Christian churches Other than that, I have to repeat everything I said in my podcast, so I'll just go hit the play button. I'm sorry.
4: Yeah, I don't know how uh, white nationalists are using the Book of Esther to say that the Leviticus rituals are about murder or something.
0: No, that they're just, I I don't know. I don't know what their argument is fully, so I can't answer it fully. What, what is the white nationalist argument fully? The best place for that would be a Christoganya forum post, so I could see it and answer it comprehensively. I can't answer it comprehensively here on the fly when I don't have the entire argument. But it's clear to me that the book, the events described in the book of Esther, Happened in no history
6: of any of the kings of Persia. Also, um, sorry, I, I kind of got booted off again. I don't know if this was mentioned already, but God is not mentioned in the book of Esther even once. Right. There's a lot of other peripheral problems
0: with the book. Yes, that's true.
7: I think he's ref- like alluding to some is it Purim, some Jewish holiday.
0: Purim is only known from Esther. Yeah and the I book of Esther is a novel, so therefore Purim there. is bullshit.
4: Well I guess I guess the way I just conflate Purim with every single ritual.
7: But I'm, I'm still not sure how the Leviticus 23 fits in, but I think that's what he was alluding to. Yeah.
0: The book of Purim, I mean, the feast of Purim is not found in the Bible outside of Esther, and it's all bullshit. The book of Esther is all bullshit. It, it's some sort of romantic Jewish fantasy tale. It, it could be like that the, Counterpart of any Jewish fantasy movie in Hollywood tomorrow. It, it's just bullshit. It never happened in history.
1: And the Durham Festival is just an excuse for cocks to dress up like demons.
0: Yeah, right. So, so I, I need something more substantial to refute. That, than just a vague allusion of, of Purim to Leviticus 23, which doesn't mention Purim and, and which mentions nothing like Purim. Recording has stopped. Well, there's our four hours. I love y'all and thank you for being here. And we're going to, and the official part of this podcast, Y'all could stay and talk all night if you want to. But at some point, and this is the point, I have to end this so I could post it at Christogenea and go to bed. <laughs> so thanks for being here, everybody, and praise Yahweh, the God of Israel. And this is the end of the official podcast of the evening. Thank you for participating. I appreciate y'all.